On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're heading back to George Lucas prequels territory to find out what Darth Vader and his old pal Ben have been up to in Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+, Plus, reliving the birth of the 70s punk movement in Danny Boyle's Sex Pistols biopic Pistol, also on Disney+, Plus, and finally, taking a look at the less appealing side of parenting in creepy kids sci-fi series The Midwich Cuckoos on Sky Max. Plus, Empire's Helen O'Hara makes her Pilot TV debut this week as she seizes the opportunity to talk to Supernatural's Jensen Ackles about the new series of The Boys on Prime Video. Carl Urban was also there, but we're not sure she noticed. <laughs> I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters. Uh, we're doing some recording gymnastics on the podcast this week in order to bring our Obi-Wan review as this one's not being made available to press in advance. But fear not, we have sorted this out because dedicated professionals that we are, we are going to watch it as soon as it drops on Friday and then put that in here before the episode goes up. So that's probably more information than you really needed are you because it's going out on Monday. Are you going to do one of those slightly creepy inserts that Chris Hewitt does on the, when he goes, hi, Chris Hewitt here. Um, uh, I'm just going to put this on this bit of the new thing into the podcast as if and mention the fact that I'm putting it in rather than just editing it in when no one would notice. Well, no, I was going to just drop it in yeah. sort of almost seamlessly, except it will sound slightly different because obviously I'll that's be doing fine. it from my house, as will both of you. So it won't sound quite as professional. So you don't listen back to the podcast after I make it, no. do you? So you're not familiar with the whoosh. No, what's that? Do you know I the yeah, you do. I listen, yeah. Do you listen See? back? Beth knows the boosh. Not every week. Do, do you listen back to check that um, he hasn't edited out some really <laughs> profound thing you said just to make him sound better? Just so, just so he can talk for longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. I cut your stuff so that I get more oh, airtime. That's 100 percent what happens. No, I have a whoosh effect, and I use the whoosh for dropping. So it goes, whoom, oh, and then I and then I go, oh, hello, this okay. is James. And I'm dropping in this exciting thing, and wow. then it goes, whoom, no and it goes idea. back to the show. Yeah. Absolutely no idea. It's great. It's great. That's that's mm. that's what that is. Quality post production for you, Void. Okay. Quality post production. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like a professional. Mm. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Returning from her relaxed jolly to the <laughs> south of France, during which she did precious little work and had no stress whatsoever, is a very you know calm and rested looking Beth Webb. How was your little holiday? <laughs> wow. Oh, I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> More than I ever done in my life. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, it, where, uh... <laughs> you, have, you have the look of someone who's returned from war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can this year was my nam. Yeah, uh, we was... don't know. We weren't there. <laughs> I got a bit of a tan, got a base tan, which will take away from this. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I was very happy to go and be sent by Empire. That's very. Uh, that that was very exciting. Watched a lot of stuff. Saw a few famouses from afar. Saw a very tall Idris Elba from very far he away. He is tall, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tall, tall man. Was he accompanied by a lion? Or no lion? No. He was riding the lion. Okay, good, no. good. Um, yes, he was in the new George Miller film. It's very good in the George Miller film. Uh, very thick Grecian accent, which is quite jarring if you uh, know mm. best for Lufa. Yeah. Um, did you see yeah. Tom Cruise? I did. I went to a talk with Tom Cruise. Oh, uh, wow. it, yeah, very weird. Tom Cruise was was in control of every inch of that Q and A. Who hosted the Q and A? That's my someone, always my question. Someone from the can. Oh, okay, a can person, a French person. Yeah, a French person. Um, but it was, you know, it was very exciting to be in the same room as one of the last great movie stars, and yeah, um, they put out all the stops because it was one of the opening night films. It had its big premiere there, and they had the red arrows is it the red arrows yeah 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 
red arrows going across the quasette. I thought we were going to war initially, so oh, it was quite terrified. Oh that's quite Unannounced terrible. aircraft suddenly swooping <laughs> over your head. Yeah, that's quite bad timing, isn't it? <laughs> it's not great in a no, way. No, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I was very thrilled to be going, but absolutely shattered. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Exciting. Yeah. Exciting. I saw Tom Cruise as well because he left the quasette and came straight over here. He oh, did. yeah, you went to the premiere yeah. in your suit and everything. I did. Yeah. I wore a suit. Didn't wear a tie though because I'm a bit of a rebel. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a royal, wasn't it? As well, it was you? a royal. Yeah. Wills and Kate were yeah. there. And uh, we got to watch them making excruciating small talk with the cast of the uh, of the film. What's really funny though is obviously because normally the cast will walk down a red carpet of people and journalists and they'll go to each people. What they did was the cast of the film stood in a line with, and this is absolutely true, pieces of paper in front of them with their names on it and then the royals did the line of cast <laughs> members and went up to each one. They looked down at their feet, see what they are. Oh, John Hamm, oh, how are you? you know, and it was like, you can be one's wingman anytime. You know, it was all very, very... Wow. Embarrassing, but Tom was like buzzing around. He was facilitating. He was the one moving them on. He was almost like being a publicist. Like he yeah. was like, he was like, yeah, yeah, and moving them on to the next oh, person. And all I this. mean, he is mm. in control of everything. Yeah. He was all yeah. over it, yeah. all over it. Yeah, he, he yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. He is. Yeah. It has to be said, and this is absolutely not the place for it. But Top Gun Maverick is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere's the place for it. It's yeah, the great, it's, it's the best one of the year. It yeah. is. It is a cinematic experience, the yeah. likes of which I can't yeah. quite get my head around. But could not stop grinning for that. So mm. brilliant, yeah! Whole it's it's experience. it's it's an astonishing achievement. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. But we don't talk about films here, do we, boys? <laughs> well, it's the film that we all hope Doctor Strange would be and sadly let us down. Oh, my God, I listened to the three and a half hour um, uh, Empire Spoiler, Spoiler Special, Spoiler special oh, for God. it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've never heard anything like it, Beth. Re- why? Just there. Was that a hate listen? Like, why did you listen it was, to it? It's a film you did. No, do you know what? Amon, I, Amon was, I, I, I was kind of rooting for Amon because he was like the voice of, in my opinion, reason. <laughs> yeah. Because he was pointing out the many, many, many flaws <laughs> in this film. And Chris, to some extent, what Chris, I mean, the, None of them loved it really, but it was. But they still end up analyzed. I, I mean, I don't want to go into it, but the, I mean, it's, it's what they do, and people love it. And it's brilliant. But what, my main, my main takeaway from it is, I can't even begin to analyze the detail of a film like that when I just find a whole chunk of it, basically the whole middle section of that film, I just found it boring. Mm. And so I can't, I'm not going to engage in the whether or not, you know, this thing here means that he can cast a spell there about a thing that all the rules that, <laughs> that they brilliantly analyse, you know, those guys, your guys on that thing. I just zone out with it yeah. on a film like yeah. that when it, when it gets that tedious and repetitive as it did in my in my opinion. Whereas they all do, did, you know, they did an amazing job analysing the fuck out of it for three and a half hours. And that's there's no, um, you know, there's no director or whatever in it it's just them just discussing it and them, it's, an, and it's an yes. extraordinary achievement a finer achievement than the film itself one some of say wow yeah, there we go I won't bang on the ballot anymore okay other than hate listening <laughs> the uh, Empire Spoiler Special Podcast what have you been watching Boyd? it's all about Better Call Saul because oh. yes <laughs> thanks Beth that great sound I watched that when it, yeah. like, I just landed and oh, I had wow. to come back and watch it just to add to the tension and like, stress I dodged I dodged Twitter yeah. And um and yeah, just came straight back all but threw my bags on the floor and sat down to watch it. Oh um, yeah. I mean it's the mid-season James is looking shrugging like because you haven't. It's the mid-season um finale. Yeah. And it did not let us down. Oh. Uh, at all, and in fact, I think um, every time I th- every time I think, oh, an episode comes along which is like the greatest episode of, of the whole thing so far. I yeah. think that finale was possibly the greatest episode so far because it's had this brilliant. So I'm trying. I won't spoil it for those who Better Call Saul fans who still, for some reason, have not caught up. 
Um, but suffice to say that throughout this series season, there have been there's this whole storyline of Kim and um, Saul, as he's now known, creating this um, elaborate plan, this elaborate scheme to um, to kind of ruin the life of Harold Hamlin, their you know their their nemesis the lawyer who they've had dealings with, you know, for years, et cetera. And that storyline, it was so intricately woven mm. into the body of the show, while at the same time there's the whole Lalo Salamanca storyline that he's still alive and how he goes to Germany to meet the wife of the man who... Oh, it's insane. Insane detail. Yeah. Just there's so much detail. Yeah. And while you're watching it, the storytelling is so kind of like plunges you into it without explaining stuff. Yeah. That's what he does so brilliantly, doesn't he? Like yeah. they, the the, the, the showrunners. Um, so they will they will just plant an object at the, there's an, in the beginning of an episode and you won't know what the hell you're watching. And then it will turn out to have significance three quarters of the way through. And all of the elements of the plot to ruin his life, to ruin um, Howard's life, I didn't even know then. Like, what, what are they talking about? Why are they doing all these things? Like, why are they filming lookalikes of someone and we don't know who they are? But the, the, the storytelling is so sophisticated that they assume rightly that you will get it in the end and it all comes through in the end. And the finale was this coming together of all yeah. these elements. Yeah. And that's what he does brilliantly, doesn't he? he they, they do brilliantly, the shorts. They... They, they, they plant such. They, they create characters of such depth yeah. and three dimensionality yeah. that when they bring these characters together for a finale moment, you're, you're, it's breathtaking. Yeah. It's absolutely breathtaking. And so, without spoiling it, he does. They do bring all of the situations together, all the characters together yeah. in this unbelievably tense and brilliantly directed. There's little like oh. intimations of the wind blowing in the candle. Remember the wind blowing yeah. in the candle? Just so brilliant beautifully done and then a stunning shocker of a, of oh, a thing but again without spoiling it um yeah that uh it is incredible i mean i said it on our spoiler special podcast like you know how annoyed i get with like the running time and, and yeah. the kind of padding out of things and a story that could be told in an hour and a half being told in like eight hours or whatever by the way shout out to all of the listeners who tweeted me about the running time <laughs> yes. of the Stranger Things finale, which I'm sure we'll get into in news, yeah. but bless every single person that was like, I cannot wait for Beth to watch the two and a half hour Stranger <laughs> Things finale. About like 10 people have tweeted me. It's so fucking yeah. funny. Thank you. Also, it is going to be miserable watching for my part. But yes, what I said during our special specials, you know, I, I always prefer a concise story that's got no fat on it. But this, I could watch... Mm. Kim and Saul yeah. and Jimmy watch. Yeah. He's still Jimmy to me. He's still uh, he, Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. I could watch them watching television for yeah. an entire episode. I would happily do that. I could watch them piecing together the minutiae of a grand scheme mm. for a whole episode. Like such is the yeah. the way that yeah. he approaches character, they approach character and the performances in themselves. But oh my But God. I think even those moments, every single moment, even those moments of quiet of the two of them, you're yeah. right. Like just, you know existing that rhythm is, are yeah. key anyway it's yeah. not like there I don't yeah. think there is any fat on it no, at all exactly. in fact you know I've got one my one slight issue would be the flashback to her childhood do you know that yeah what do you think of that uh, uh, pretty unnecessary to be I honest I thought it was unnecessary I'm far more intrigued I feel yeah. like the more elusive she is the more captivating exactly. she is exactly and I think we got I think that was designed to show this is getting into a bit of a spoiler special but I am not it's not a spoiler to say there was a flashback to her childhood yeah. and anyway fans would have watched it by now anyway won't they exactly. realistically exactly. but 
I thought it was unnecessary because I think it was trying to plant the message that she is enjoying the situation that she's yeah. got herself in with Jimmy and the whole plotting, this extraordinary plot that they're hatching. And um, that was like an illustration of, see, back then she wasn't necessarily a pure, all good person. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we get it. Yeah. We don't have to be told, we don't have to see that flashback we don't, to understand that she's enjoy having a whale of a time, exactly. actually, exactly. with this thing. Anyway, James. I have no idea what you two are talking <laughs> I know. about. It's none. But that's your fucking fault for yeah. being, you should just, you okay, should okay. catch up with All this right, I have a question. I have a question. So, so Beth, Beth, who, who, and I sympathize for this, like, you struggle with things that are boring, right? Or long. You know, yeah. but, but with things that are boring, which I get, so which I get. But like, so I watched the whole first season of Better Call Saul and I slogged through it. I really did. And I got to the end and I didn't pick up season two. Now, but is that, is that in the same way that Breaking Bad had a slightly, I'm going to say deliberate instead of ponderous start mm -hmm. uh, before it kind of caught fire and became incredibly addictive? Mm -hmm. Is it that same kind of arc that it has or is it just me? I think it's definitely. Hey, what was the the nicer <laughs> word that you used at the start? There? Deliberate. 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 Yeah. yeah, I think it it definitely goes on that side. Yeah, I don't I know. So. I, I haven't so. seen Breaking Bad for a long time. I'm just going to say mm. I, I prefer Better Call Saul. Wow. Because um, Breaking Bad uh, becomes much more propulsive as it goes along. Yeah. Like it yeah, moves yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a hell of a clip towards the yeah, end. Yeah, but so does Better Call Saul. It's a, similar, it's a technique. I think it is the technique, which is, as, I, as I'm saying, the, the whole of... I, the, I found the first series of Better Call Saul deliberately paced, but once you're into the characters mm. and once you're, you know, I, I didn't find it in any way boring because um, you're really fascinated by the characters and that's what he's doing. Yeah. He's, he's making these characters so rich and real and, and complex that it's paid off massively four seasons later, mm. you know. And, and it, I mean, it paid off massively even like a season later in some cases, mm. you know, with his brother, for example. Um, and, you know, but the character, you know, what the, what they're doing to the, the right now is all is all is all begins in many ways back then. So, do just, you think yes. that technique of storytelling, which yeah. worked very well to an extent, I say worked very well. Not that many people watch Breaking Bad. Like it's it's no, critically no, acclaimed. Everyone talks about it, but it's not that widely watched. Yeah, um, worked then. Like, does that still hold up in the same way now? Because there is a certain sort of uh, slightly, you know, attention deficit feeling around television at the moment because there's. So such an incredible volume. I mean, we talk about it on the show. Like there are shows that, you know, even five years ago, we'd have watched to the end because it's decent. But now we won't go past the second episode because there are five other shows just nipping at its heels. Yeah. And like, again, if something doesn't sort of yeah. seize you straight away, sometimes that's all she wrote. I know, but I think mm. I think this is different, isn't it? I think Better Call Saul's different. I don't think it's like it's not like that. What was that when we watched recently? The um the one with the where they've got the uh, the the planet in their shed. That one. Oh yeah, oh, Night Sky. <laughs> Night oh, Sky. Right. Night good God. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> the difference is Night Sky is just slow. Yeah, and it is. Where I don't think Better Call Saul's like that. It's just quite complicated. Yeah. And what it does is it does what and the wire did really. People complain the wire is difficult to get into I love initially. The wire so much. But it is it's difficult to I get bet. into <laughs> Right. It is difficult to get into initially, isn't it? I mean I think it is because you have to work quite hard yeah. at remembering well. a vast cast of characters and an in, how they a completely new vernacular completely new vernacular yeah. and, and, and similar way Better Call Saul is a vast world with lots and lots of different characters mm. but the core of it there's a handful mm. but you just have to kind of work a bit hard that's what people are really I think dealing with it, neither of those shows are slow but the the um, the outer space one was slow that, that's the difference so some shows are just too slow for their own good mm. and the scenes go on too long Better Call Saul is not like that at all Better Call Saul is quite snappy really okay. I th okay. and I think Breaking Bad was as 
well. It's just that they deal with a lot. Their ambition and scope and the sheer volume of characters and situations is is huge, but it all pays off so well in the end. And that's why I think I think it's different. I don't think yeah, I don't think just a boring show with where scenes go on and on and on because I very it's, much it's want to get back into Better Call Saul like I really want yeah, to start watching it again but it's one of these things where every time I sit down to do it it feels like too much work I feel like it feels like a slog to try and like climb back into that because I do remember you, how I felt last you know time so I've been putting it sure, off sure. do you know what I think will help with you is it becomes increasingly a very backable interesting love story so the love yeah. story takes right. precedent yeah. and those two characters, both of standalones and then as a as a duo, work fantastically, mm. which is partly what makes me mm. like it a little bit more than Breaking Bad. I know that was its own duo kind of in itself, but it becomes this really interesting, unpredictable love story above. And then you've got the kind of you've got the hierarchies of the and the, the kind of drug world kind of simmering simmering away in the background. Sometimes they get their own episodes. The better episodes are the ones with Kim and Jimmy. Yeah, of course. That's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. I feel like I may need to clear some room in the, <laughs> the in the thing. in the to make room for this. Yeah. Oh, the other thing you could do is you could dive straight into like one of the like the, I think the episode I you know the episode where he's if series the last season mm. where he's sent off to deliver the the money, right? That scene in the desert and all of that. That's like a one-off, spectacularly intense, riveting thing. And I think you could just watch oh, that. Don't even suggest things like that, boy. That's I know you'd never insane. do that, would no. you? No, I like, know. There's a part of me that thinks I almost have to watch it again from episode one. Uh, right, that's you. But I the, think what I'll probably do listener, is pick up where I left to off. To general people who say, oh, you know, it, I, I think sometimes it actually benefits... Oh people to so to watch to try one of the best epi- single so episodes of a show and then that and then that encourages them to go back and yeah. watch it do you know what I mean I cannot I, sanction this kind of I know but I think this is the reality of the situation I think it's a really good example of how well they use Mike as well in the series as well um, yeah. considering we already know him incredibly well in Breaking Bad you, they still manage to peel back layers right. of him yeah. in Breaking I met Mike in a shoe shop in Santa Barbara I mean, you. Wow. There's no mistaking that man, is it? You'd be like, "That's definitely him." Yeah, well, no, but he <laughs> came over because it turned. No, he was a friend of my dad's, and literally, yeah. we were in a shoe shop in Santa Barbara, and he came bounding up to us, and I was like, "I cannot imagine that it's, man bounding." It's, 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 it's Mike, <laughs> and he comes over to my dad. Is this your boy? And I was like, oh, "I don't know what to say." It was, it was quite special. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. That's I was very really excited. Funny. That is incredible. He's one of the all-time great characters. Yeah, and he's not even. He's not even like the fucking main. You know, I know, I know, it's, it's yeah. wild, isn't it? Just the other thing I was going to quickly mention that I am dipping into because I was trying to find, um, someone tweeted me, uh, us, in fact, maybe, uh, early in the week saying, is no one, they're just giving up, no one from the pilot TV podcast is ever going to watch Ozark ever again. Well, I <laughs> am slowly, very, very slowly, dear <laughs> this, listener. This is your better call Saul, isn't it? <laughs> this is my better call Saul, it is. Very, very slowly, I'm, I am engaging with Ozark. I've got, so, but um, I've had to go back, you know, like season three and, and watch, and I'm, so I'm, I'm way behind, but I am absolutely 100% planning on finishing Ozark over the next so few weeks the, slash months. The reason I haven't mm. done this is because I always heard about Ozark. Oh, it's, oh, it's Ozark great. And they were like, yeah, yeah, it's good. And there was always that, yeah, oh. it's fine. Like, I never got the sense from people, and I don't know that many people who watch it, but the people who watch it, I never got the sense that anyone thought it was brilliant. They just, it was good. I think it's different. I think as it wore on, a lot okay, of people got think it's brilliant. Okay, I, I've heard people say, you know, it's up there with the greats. But do you not Some think people. like, so people talk about Boardwalk Empire in that same tone of voice where, oh yeah, no, 
it's fine. Yeah, it's great. Like, it was, yeah. it was good. But like, but no one's ever saying you must watch Boardwalk Empire. Um, a, a few people, fewer. I think Ozark is getting a bit of a head of steam now. And in fact, if it wasn't a Netflix show, if it was a show like you know that went out, you know, um, weekly, um, or whatever on another in a, on a, in another kind of channel, rather than it was all there for us all to discover in our different times. That's this is what hurts Netflix shows sometimes, particularly I think something like Ozark, where we're not all watching it communally together. But I think those that really stayed with it and watched the last this final season in its in its two chunks have said this remarkable, and people say the ending's brilliant. So I've heard nothing but good stuff from people who have been there okay. from the beginning with Ozark and it is, I found the tweet it's Fitbat Tweets Fitbat Tweets um, who's, who does cartoons about Scottish football there you go um, said okay I'm officially giving up on any of the teams saying they'll watch the final season of Ozark well I'm not on the final season but I will get there yes okay yeah. Beth you presumably haven't had time to watch anything because you've been a can well I rushed home to watch this Battle Call Saul uh, mid-season finale which yeah just not I was just oh, I was not equipped uh, and then did I, you watch any French TV no as if when did I have the time tell me when I had time no no um, and then yesterday I caught up with the Derry Girls finale and finale finale mm. um, and I did not expect the most I would cry this year to be over Orla doing a dance ensemble piece with a bunch of tiny Irish dancers. That was, that was mad, wasn't brilliant, it? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I was crying my eyes what out. What sequence, yeah. Fantastic. Because um, it was coming after, obviously, they'd done the kind of montage of the, and I knew it was coming, montage of all the, their like greatest hits sort of of the show and then Orla just doing this like dance. I think Orla is the unsung hero of that show. I adore yeah. Orla. Yeah. Any type, someone did an incredible tweet of like, watch what Orla is doing or watch what the actual uh, Louisa Harland is doing in the background of every scene that she's in <laughs> and she's like sniffing her hair and kind of <laughs> reacting to the smell of her hair she's always doing something she's always being a little bit weird a little bit off but I love her and then just give her this big set piece I was I was in bits I was in absolute bits I was like I'm never going to see her do this again I'm never going to see her no. do all this like amazing new stuff and oh what a send off I'm so sad I missed your um, your live event because I would love to have been there for that um, but yeah what, what an absolute send off for that beautiful yeah. show it Dario, was Dario G the tune that she's dancing yeah. to um, <laughs> at the beginning fantastic yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I did get a slight whiplash from all the needle drops in loads of show. brilliant absolutely needle drops absolutely insane yeah. Yeah. Um, and a fantastic Jamiroquai reference oh the Jamiroquai reference is brilliant yeah <laughs> just like those moments just just like there's so many gags in that show yeah. like, as you say but yeah watching just watching the, it, it's sister, funny sister Michael every single thing yeah. she does the same sorry it's funny but it's also it was very profound as you yeah. said like it was really mm. kind of bittersweet and it kind of ended on a very sort of like poignant thoughtful note yeah. uh, I have to say I did not enjoy the coda I just didn't oh. at all with um, special mm. guest star with cameo special... that people wish <laughs> yeah there's still a spoiler although... is it still a spoiler I mean well, maybe it is still a spoiler you can time. Uh, I know what you mean oh, it's very very personal to Lisa McGee who did actually write a letter to oh okay yeah. fine that's interesting I didn't know that yeah um, I saw, and it's amazing like it's just an amazing kind of yeah. thing surprise yeah. isn't it yeah it is Yeah. the original plan I can reveal which came out in our Q&A was to um, do one of those you know what everyone's gone, yeah. got up to 10 years later or 20 years yeah. later or something and it was and she worked it all out so you know um so and so is a novelist um uh, what did she say about the wee English fellow? She'd he'd be like a TV producer making documentaries. I think she said, oh, that's nice. "Yeah, you know." Cause it, and so she worked it all out what all the characters will be doing 
10, 20 years' time, and that was going to be, which is a classic way of ending a show. Yeah, like, go full ah, Harry Potter. Yeah, did so and so, so, but then she decided not to do that at all. And I think actually this is better because because that has been done a lot. It has. And this way, I just thought it was more of a surprising kind of, I think it's in the keeping with the show to reflect it's that it has got that constant socio-political mm. stuff going on, you know, at the same time as all of the great funny stuff yeah. and yeah. relationship stuff. So it worked for me, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I maybe it just wasn't quite what I was looking for, but I get it. I totally get it. If it's like a very personal thing, I understand that, that yeah, it fitting as a code of her. Yeah. It just didn't, it wasn't maybe quite what I'd expected. But then, you know, at least I watched it, unlike Hay, who didn't even realise it was there. So, you know, that's, that's something. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I need to see that that cameo come back again for this episode, which is interesting. Because mm. have you read about the other cameo he's done? No. Are we allowed to talk about this cameo? So we can say no, can we? Liam Neeson was the yes. big cameo in Derry Girls. We can. So, I mean, obviously we are yet to watch the third season of Atlanta here because uh, of uh, yeah. laws and all sorts. Yeah, annoying but things. From yeah. what I've... Laws. Like, rights. Yeah. Like, streaming rights. We're going to, like, being dramatic. But um, uh, apparently he makes a, a cameo in the new season of Atlanta. And it's, like, widely publicised now. I don't think it's a spoiler. But he, um, he addresses... The, uh, controversy. the controversy about the press tour about how uh, he said he wanted to... Oh, God, yes, I'd yeah. forgotten all about that. Yeah, he said he, he wanted to... Sometimes he dreams about going out and hunting black men on the streets. Yes. Apparently he addresses it in this cameo to Donald Glover. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, which is, that, which is so... I mean, yeah, we really need that series of Atlanta to start. I think yeah. we have got the start there, haven't we? But it's finished now in the in States, yeah. Right? yeah, but we know yeah. it's, it's in June, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. Um, I'm assuming they'll, pl- they'll, they'll it will all land in one go. Yeah. But even that is a pres- slight presumption on my But yeah, that sounds fantastic, yeah. Absolutely. How, like, how? How did that happen? Did Donald Glover just email him and just say, what, sh- yeah. what's up? It's a really good idea, isn't it, as well? To, um, yeah. I mean... I just, I'm fascinated by mm. how that's happening. Maybe I'll get Will Smith for the next season. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> He'll just address the redemption tour. It's a full yeah. episode of the two of them yeah. in a room and Donald Glover like yeah. mediating. Yeah. Christ. That's funny because there's a really good um, uh, comedian th- bit about the Liam Neeson incident that I won't go into right now. Anyway. Okay, good. Moving on. Um, what else have I watched? Obviously, Dairy Girls, I was going to talk about as well, but we've covered that. I also. I'm sorry. We've, watched, we've, we've, you have. You've yeah. stolen my thunder. Stolen uh, it's fine. Uh, I also watched the rest of Volume 1 of Stranger Things 4, all 1,500 hours of it. <laughs> So, um, which I, I I enjoyed it. I think it peaks with episode four, which is outstanding. The running um, up that hill episode. Yes. yes. I have no access to one. any of these. You've all beaten me to it. Although apparently I'm getting a nice pizza delivered Are you? tomorrow. Oh. No one's but sending me a pizza. I, do you know, I loved it in this because I know how it upsets you. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, that's nice. Is it a make your own pizza? or a, a fully... I don't know. It's called the, um, dem- it's a Demogorgon pizza. So oh. I imagine oh, it's... That's got- so season one. I don't even care. It's free pizza. <laughs> is it from Netflix or just from some pizza company? Like you know, celebrating. It's like a, it's like a collab. <laughs> so uh, yeah, brilliant. Like Papa John's ne- ex Netflix. Oh wow, Papa that's John's exciting. Pretty great to be honest. I mean, their pizzas all like the insides of Demogods. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are not appealing looking pizzas. No, but... I was sent a pizza to make by some TV thing. Uh, Your succession? Did you get the succession hall? I did get the succession oh, hall. Yeah. What was yeah. that? Um, it's like four types of pasta yeah, and like it yeah, was beautiful pasta. was yeah. it better than the Sources. Godfather one um, similar it was similar okay. the Godfather one was amazing I well. made that meatball that yeah, meatball the cake, spaghetti the thing the Godfather cake yeah. was the incredible bit I know um but uh, yeah, I was once at a pizza making thing, and I can't remember what it was. But and I made the pizza, and it was terrible. It was right. an absolute disaster. It's quite hard to do all the pulling yeah. of the dough. 
Well, that's I made, hoping it's going to be. Peacemaker <laughs> sent me a DIY gourmet burger kit, and I made an absolute fucking right. pig's yeah, out of that. Let me tell you. I just, I was like, you underestimate yeah. how easy it is for me to fuck up simple instructions. <laughs> and there was a point where I was supposed to be frying the bun. It's absolutely frying the bun in a frying pan. I burnt oh, yeah. the shit out of it. Right. So yeah. and it, the first one just went straight in the bin because I destroyed it. The second one was edible, and I did eat it, but I did not do a good job of it. So. Um, back to Stranger Things because, as as Beth was suggesting, that is news, isn't it? That because after we that news broke after we recorded oh, last oh, week. Oh, that are we was doing that in news. We had a whoosh. Oh, well, did you in last oh. week's podcast? Yeah. <laughs> oh, where, really? There's a bit where you, you go, really unfortunately, now. listeners, they have not revealed, and there was a whoosh, and I went, actually, they have revealed oh, it, and here God, it is, I and I dropped no in. No idea what is happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you should listen back for your oh, own safety because yeah. he could whoosh him yeah. anything. He could whoosh the fuck out. When you do a review, he goes, whoosh. Everything Boyd just said is wrong. Whoosh. That's what happens. <laughs> oh, okay, so we've dealt with all this. Yeah, oh, yeah, fine. we have dealt with it all. Okay. So we've got the final two episodes of Stranger Things still to come in July, including the one that Beth's most looking forward to, the finale, which is <laughs> two, two and, and a half, half hours, hours long, which I also mentioned in the whoosh. Um, and I think the penultimate episode's an hour and a half, isn't yeah, it? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, it's like about 15 hours. <laughs> it's monstrous, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I am I am enjoying it. Like, it, it, there's a there's one episode in the kind of middle. I want to say five, which I thought was a little bit like, okay, let's move along. But it, it picks up. It, it's really good. Why aren't we reviewing it? We did. Oh well, I, yeah. Oh. You weren't here. You were in Cannes on your holiday. So uh, could have done it. Could have done it from Cannes. <laughs> yeah. um, but you, Beth, but you lazily decided to opt out. That's right. That's I mean, right. Uh, yeah. But yes, no. We reviewed it last week. Kay watched it, having never watched an episode of Stranger oh, Things wow. before in her life. Had very little idea what was going on, but it was all good. Um, but yeah, that was that was good. I enjoyed watching the rest of that. I've also watched almost all of but not all of because I have all the episodes of the new season of The Boys which is out yes this week yes. except it's also embargoed so we cannot talk about it and there is an awful lot to say so we will be talking about it next week all I'm simply going to say is brace yourselves so this is the fa- I, I mentioned this last week at the Amazon Prime yeah. not oh God, the Prime Video can't call it Amazon um, <laughs> oh, in, among their funny. talent this is fantastic yeah um, the uh, there's a big there's a sequence that's so outrageous yep. that it's the most outrageous thing ever said the showrunner it, the showrunner said it was the most outrageous thing ever seen on TV basically I don't know that oh that's God. necessarily true but it's pr- it would probably make a long list for that category yeah right okay. it's it's, it's, no, I'm gonna have it's to I, lo- I look forward to discussing this scene with you both um, it's quite special so no, it's in, so it's embargoed till the day before. Day before it, it airs. Right, yeah, it. so we'll have to review it next Listeners. week. Yes, unless you do a whoosh, unless I do a whoosh, or review the the, the shocking scenes in the trailers. Uh, but no, 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 no whooshes for this one. Um, okay, good, brilliant. Mm. That is what we've been watching, and time now for this week's guests and this is a particularly special interview because as long-time listeners to the empire podcast will know there's a very very special place in helen o'hara's heart for all things supernatural so when we told her we were talking to dean winchester himself mr jensen ackles for season three of the boys she hopped in her chevy impala and drove right over at breakneck speed now we banned her from talking about nipples at any point uh, but she did sit down with jensen as well as the boys very own billy butcher Carl Urban, to talk about the insanely violent and violently brilliant superhero series, Return. This is what happened. Hello and welcome to Pilot. So how are things? Um, How are you surviving the boys? I mean, you're here unexploded, which is a good start. It is a good start. Uh, We can't say that for all the characters. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, we're great. We're super excited. You know, we... uh, we worked on uh, season three uh, long and hard for, for seven months and uh, we're just at that point where we're handing it over to the audience and 
We're super excited for it. It's an, it's an explosive, dynamic season. Explosive is the operative word here. That was one of my questions. What is the worst thing you've been covered in doing this show? Yeah, blood, definitely. A lot of blood. Um, this would be a good question for Laz. Sadly, he's, he's not here with us today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some surprises. There's some, definitely some surprises. Yeah, that's one of my... I don't want to say quibbles with the show because I really enjoy it, but I am willing to give you a shiny pound coin if you can go an entire episode without exploding any person or, you know, large mammal. Well, it's difficult to do when you have a character who whose literal superpower is to explode heads. So there's, you know, you're going to have to you get you get your quota every episode. Now, obviously, you're in London at the moment. Uh, Carl, how does it feel to bring the accent home? Yeah, you know what? It's uh, it's 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 great to be here, and and um, you know the, the the dialect was you know certainly always presented itself as a major challenge. I mean, you have a British character played by a New Zealand actor, written by American writers, and in the first season, the dialect coach was Canadian. Uh, so <laughs> it was this perfect coach. In season two, I actually. Um, <laughs> You know, I I wanted I needed more authenticity, and so I brought on board um, the wonderful, supremely talented Andrew Jack, who was the most preeminent um, dialect specialist, um, British dialect spe- specialist. I'd worked with him twenty years ago on Lord of the Rings, and together we um, uh, we went through from on season two, and uh, he really. Uh, sort of brought this great authenticity and and certain colloquialisms to the character and. And I was really looking forward to continuing that, um, but really sadly and tragically, he he passed his passed away of uh, COVID while he was w- working on the Batman. Um, but um, so, uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, it's a huge challenge, but it's it's great to be here. I don't know whoever the dialect coaches is of these cabbies that I keep on encountering. I mean, their dialect is on point. Every single one of them. You hire one of those yeah, guys for season yeah, four. Whoever, whoever they. <laughs> yeah. In every cab, you can give them your number and ask them to get in touch. Right. Start recording on your phone. Yeah. I actually did that. Did you? Yeah, I did that. Um, before, I think it was before season one, I was over here in the UK. And you and started with, recording conversations? Yeah, with, with permission of some of these cabbies, I was literally going around recording conversations in cabs. There you go. Yeah. See, behind the scenes. Exactly. Thrifty as well. You can save some money. Very. <laughs> so, Jensen, how does it feel to be on an Eric Kripke show with a character named Robert Singer? It's a little familiar. Uh, I got to be honest. Uh, yeah, something, something very familiar. In fact, when I was uh, my first day on set, uh, there were bus stops and 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 posters and stuff of of Jim Beaver with you know Robert Singer on it, uh, campaigning kind of thing. And it was just uh, you know, it, it, he's haunting me. Uh, that's what I think it is. Either he's haunting me or he's Eric Kripke's good luck charm. I think it's the latter. So it's not in your contract that he has to be in the show. <laughs> no, it is definitely a Kripke. Uh, it's one of Kripke's, you know, through threads, through threads that he he just loves to kind of put Easter eggs in there whenever he's doing stuff like this. And I think it's great. I think the fans uh, really appreciate it. I appreciate it as a fan of his work. So absolutely, and and you know, just coming off of fifteen seasons of Supernatural, which is one of my favorite shows ever. I just absolutely adore it. Um, you know, has has it been? A huge adjustment has it has it been difficult to kind of you know reorient yourself to other work in a way maybe uh it, maybe a little bit but uh you know we i had this uh this thing called the pandemic that kind of uh, gave me a nice buffer 
to um, uh, to kind of put that 15 years to bed and 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 you know lift my head up and figure out what was next. And uh, luckily, it was this, um, and I knew that it was uh, it was going to be an, a, an amazing opportunity um, to be on on such a, a, a you know a, a widely loved show, even after one season. Um, I had uh, I was already in talks, and I think I had the role. Uh, by the time season two dropped. And so um, I was just thrilled and, and to get into this, this universe and this world with these guys and, um, and shake it up and, and play somebody different. And, and uh, but at the same time, I, st- I, I still think it translated from, you know, certainly to the fans of supernatural going into, I think most of them were probably already watching the boys. So um, I think it was a, it was a, an easy transition for me and, and a fun one. And it just made all the sense. So. But I mean, uh, Carl as well, you have been in, I feel like, more geek properties than anyone in the world at this point, you know, between between Star Trek and Lord of the Rings and this and uh, Riddick and just everything. Um, so, you know, I, I was going to ask both of you, actually, do, do you see a, a, a difference in fan bases? Are, are there so, is there a different vibe for people when they come up to talk to you and you're like, oh, you're going to be a fan of that. Oh, this person's a fan of that one. Can you tell? It's interesting, actually. Um Sometimes you get uh, when you get people coming up to you, you you kind of play this game where you know they recognise you, but they might not, they can't quite definitively pin down where they've seen you, and so you don't want to stand there and go, "Is it this? Is it this?" Yeah, you don't you want know? to go down your resume. So you, yeah, you stand there <laughs> listing your resume. So what you inevitably do is you sort of look at them and then and as few guesses as possible, try and nail down which property it is that they've recognized you from. Um, yeah, but, you know, we, all, we just feel, you know, really kind of blessed that we're a part of the show that has such a phenomenal fan base that, you know, we work really hard making the show and then for, for it to be so well-received and, and really well-loved is, uh, is such a huge blessing. It spurs us on to do a, an even better job. I do feel like, like genre fan bases are... Uh, are maybe more engaging and 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 more protective of the property that they that they love uh, yeah. than than non genre uh, stuff. And I I think he and I are both very fortunate that we continue to be able to to do these kind of genre shows and films. Um, and and audiences, you know, they they stick they stick with us, and I think that's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, so let's talk a bit more about you know uh, Butcher and Soldier Boy in in this season. I mean, first of all, you know how do you how do you prep for characters like this? Do you spend a lot of time like taking cold showers and just making yourselves furious? <laughs> I think. I mean, you know, day one, Jensen uh, had to. He was literally completely naked, bar a little modesty thing. I don't mean little, but no, no, no. I, 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 listen, I get it. It's fine. Yeah, but uh, and you know, I was you know, kudos to to Jensen because he really worked out. I mean, you were in phenomenal shape, right? I mean, how long you must have trained for months for that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I was, I was hitting it pretty hard for for a good four or five months, and and it was all. It wasn't necessarily something that Kripke had said or, or yeah. that, that anybody had discussed. The 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 only person who put me on that who put me on that path was uh the super suit costume designer lj uh she when de- <laughs> when designing uh soldier boy suit um i just merely asked i was like are you gonna put some padding in there to make me look like i'm a superhero with muscles and she just patted me on the shoulder 
and very calmly said, oh, honey, you're going to bring me some muscles in April. And that was it. Challenge like And I just, I was like, challenge accepted. Yeah. And so it worked out really hard. And, and yeah, that was, uh, um, it was a fun challenge, you know, and, and, and I think it paid off. I think it, yeah. it made sense for the character as well. And, and he's a slightly different version of Soldier Boy than people have maybe seen in the comics. I think, you know, certainly some of the, some of the circumstances maybe have changed, but I think he's, uh, still going to be not, not the most immediately likable character in all respects. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I had actually asked Kripke, I was like, hey, do, I, do you want me to, to study up on, on the comic version of, of this guy? And, and he, he actually said no. He said, mm-hmm. stay away from mm-hmm. it. Because um, he didn't want that to influence what uh, he wanted me to bring to it. So, um, so it, it, it's, it was used probably more as just a, an easy refer- a light reference guide. But, uh, but we really went our own way with it. I think one of the most commendable aspects about um, the nature of the writing on this show, and particularly uh, Kripke, is that even the most deplorable characters have elements within their personalities that are eminently uh, relatable and identifiable. Mm. So what you may detest a character and and what they're doing, you can actually on another level, completely on a humanistic level, uh, relate to whatever their pain or trauma is. And... um, and therefore, it makes those characters uh, more accessible. And, you know, even the ones that um, are intrinsically bad, you like. Yeah. And, and you know, on the, on, the, on the other hand, even the ones we're, we're inclined to really like, like Butcher, he's pushed to some or pushes himself to some pretty dark places this season. And he really kind of tests, I guess, his own ethic, which is kind of no soups, is, is very much, and we've seen this in the trailer, but this is not a spoiler, but that's very much put to the test this time. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the, the I guess the moral dilemma for Butcher this season was about, you know, uh, what happens when you turn yourself into a monster to defeat a monster. You become the very thing that you are trying to um, defeat. And what are the ramifications? What is the cost? And, you know, that certainly plays out not only for Butcher, but for every single character in The Boys in Season 3 is forced to find where that line is and uh, make, make a, a decision yeah. about which, which side of the, the fence they're going to end up on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in terms of those, all those other characters around you and you know, other people that you find yourself jealous of sometimes in terms of what they get to do and, and the, the lengths they get to go to. I will confess, you know what, I, um, am, I do have a little bit or a lot of jealousy about uh, about the female and the extraordinary job that Karen Fukuhara does. I mean, she gets the she's the baddest character she on the gets show. Really, the, really good fight. This stuff season is yeah. out of this world. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some sequences that uh, that that Karen was a part of this this season. That was we were all. Yeah. I mean, I I I wanted to. to I don't know why I, I was. I wanted to literally show up and watch it being filmed. But yeah. With COVID and stuff, they they you know. They like to keep uh, keep people offset that don't need to be there. But it was, uh, yeah, she got some. And really we had golf to play, but and we did have plenty of Who's ahead on points, or is that a sensitive subject for someone? This guy, but I mean, this guy's—he's got a pretty good swing. His maths can be a little bit dodgy sometimes. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's better. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think I, I think I just saw one of the uh, the fight scenes you were talking about last night when I was uh, basically just binging episodes ahead of this, and and that's not something you see every day. So I am wow, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of the series brings. I, I believe, and again, this is something that that Kripke has talked about. Um, that the the very famous comic hero gasm is is coming up in in episode six. Uh, that's I mean this is a this is a show that goes to some places. Shall we say? You know, is there anything you think you cannot do on the boys? Um, I two stories here. I think you should tell you should tell the story about the day you happened to be on set when they were at hero gasm. But firstly, I will just say there there came a point in this in the shooting of season three where. Jensen had to get on the phone with Kripke and go, you know, I didn't know I had a line, but I have found it. <laughs> and that's when you know you're in the right spot. <laughs> yep. When you when you when you read a script and you're like, wow, I I can't do that. Uh and 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 that was a similar reaction that Kripke had. He was just a, a chuckle. Um but uh yeah, Hero Gasm, we we somehow managed to tackle that this this season. Uh and and I, I, I was on set. There was I, I, several stories about being there that day. Um, I'll just give you a quick one. As I walked onto the set that I had not been to yet, uh, our camera guy was sitting there. He was eating a sandwich. He had his mask down, and he was had a troubled look on his face. And I said, what, you okay, man? What's going on? And he's like, I've seen some shit today, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> All right. As long as you're traumatizing the camera crew, then you're probably on the right path, Again, I guess, for the boys, you know you're right? In the right spot. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So, so, um, so, yeah. I mean, it's it's fantastic to see it. I, I, I did one last question, which is really about swearing. Um, you know, so you know, it, creative swearing, I think, is very part, much part of of Butcher's uh, personality life. Outlook. I don't know how to put it. Um, you know, is is that something that you have find yourself carrying over into everyday life, or is this a, this character you can very much put aside, put to, put to one side, and and step away from at the end of the day? I would like to tell you that it has carried over into my real life, but uh, I think if that were to happen, uh, you know, my uh, uh, my uh, social circle would diminish <laughs> significantly. Um, but I certainly, you know, just a uh, there's a certain lyrical quality about um, the, the 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 dialect and the vocabulary that uh, is so much fun to play with, and uh, have a lot of fun with Butcher. It's rich. It just yeah. it really enriches the character. Absolutely. And just finally for Jensen, um, obviously you're working on the Winchesters as well, so you've been getting back into Dean's head, I suppose, for this. Um, how's that been after the boys? That's great. You know, it's 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 easy to do. I, I've I've known that character for a few years, so uh, jumping back into that, it was, uh, it was was pretty simple, and it'll be fun to take to take that uh, that story for a ride uh, from you know a, a, a voiceover perspective. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. That'll be awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much, both of you, for talking to us, and I can't wait to see the rest of season three. Thank you. Thank you. Great talking to you. That was Jensen Ackles and Carl Urban and a very, very excited Helen O'Hara. Um, shall we have a question? I know we haven't really agreed on what the question is. We but never did. Someone, really. let me find well, out who I think the person is. I did. So oh, you did. Okay, as fine. is your want. As is my want. Yes, indeed. Uh, now let me have a look. Let me have a look. In Let's fact, see. why don't we um and why, why don't we discuss James's WhatsApp etiquette, WhatsApp group etiquette, which is basically to ignore absolute, just direct questions. 
and just to sit. Just at, <laughs> you just know they've been read because they get the two ticks. Yeah. And he yeah. just ignores it yeah. completely. He ignores it completely and then chooses the worst, <laughs> the worst possible moment sometimes to go on a real James rant about something that isn't significant to yeah. anything. No. Yeah. I mean, I like to keep you guessing. Oh. I like to keep life interesting. I don't oh want you to get bored. No. I'd, it's, it's for your own entertainment. Mm. Kind of. Mm. Anyway, anyway, we did get a question which uh, which came from Henry Davis, and this is the one that Boyd rather liked. Which oh was, no, no, I moved on to the other one. Hang on, in, in, in the WhatsApp hang on. discussion, what are you talking We've about? Done it this morning, oh, this I've is done not it the case. Morning. You specifically said you had prepared for Henry's question. What are the best TV shows set in each of your homes? Oh no, yeah, right, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say the other one that I like. <sighs> Sorry, it's fine. It's all fine. Yeah, good. Sorry, Henry, that Boyd has just besmirched your good name. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. Are you sure? Are you sure this, this yeah. passes the Boyd Hilton seal of approval? Okay, fine. Okay, fine. <laughs> She's no, so upset she's dropped headphones off the table. Throwing an absolute paddy. Boyd is furious. Low-level furious. Uh, go on then, Boyd. What, what has the Ilford Massive produced well, for us? You see, I was actually born in um, in the East End of London. Oh, were you? Yes. And then abducted and taken to Essex? Yeah, pretty right. much. Yeah, by my parents. Yeah. Um, so I, mine's our London. So it's London, basically. <laughs> What's yours going to be then? Where, where the fuck are you from? Well, I grew up in in North West London in Pinner, sort of around the Harrow uh, area. Yeah, yeah. So I'm choosing. I'm okay. choosing. I'm choosing to pick the entire environ of where I was, uh, where of I, I grew up. No, so like that oh. northwest area. So like okay. Watford, Harrow, oh, okay. Pinner, well, okay. that kind of thing. I'm yeah. just talking fucking London, basically. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. boring, but you know, um, the whole of London. Nice, nice to be specific. Well, I was born. <laughs> I was born in London, so London. You were also born in town. England. You could pick the whole country. Go for it. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, there aren't that, as far as I'm aware. There are. I mean, there's EastEnders, which is set in the East End of London. You may have noticed. I think. I think you should. It should all be Ilford. But carry on. You do wow. what you like. Go Ilford on. Ilford is in Essex, and I only moved there, you know, in when I was a uh, when I was a. Uh, you know, I mean, there are <laughs> there are many. I mean, Essex is literally going to be the, the only way to Essex. So if I started talking about that, you would storm out of the of the room. So there's Fair no enough. way that's going to happen. Fair enough. The Essex Serpent, I suppose. Was Essex yeah, based? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, but I've gone for London, and I've picked uh, this life. Okay, the yeah. iconic '90s show, which changed the face of television. Um, for those of us old enough to remember, and showed London as being a very exciting, thrilling place to live for um, its entire cast. They're in a, in a flat share in London, and they're all kind of well, trying to work as lawyers or whatever. And it was fantastic, exciting, and that made London seem very glamorous and interesting. And you can find the house where um, this live was filmed, at least the external house of the house, quite near where I live in Southwark slash Bermondsey, Lufa. Um, absolutely did a brilliant job of making London the kind of dark, sexy, neon-lit, rain-soaked place that it can be. Brilliant locations. Sherlock, use of London I loved. Good. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many great set pieces in that show using London landmarks, such, even though, of course, half of it was probably filmed in Wales and or Bristol, um, where all those shows are filmed. And Save Me, Save Me's use of London, I think, is fantastic. The the housing estate where half of it's set it managed to be an incredibly non-cliched, non-stereotyped depiction of an estate of that kind of life. Yeah. And somehow made it look not glamorous, but like visually fa- fascinating mm. um, and captured a whole kind of London vibe if I can use that word. So, yeah. Amazing. Thanks. 
I mean, I didn't have such a sprawling choice to pluck from <laughs> no. with Swindon. Uh, but you you have this country in your back pocket, don't you? So. Well, yeah, this country, this country, it kind of ricochets around a few places that are local to me, which is funny. I don't know if I told you about the time I was on a drive with my mum and dad through a neighbouring area called Ashton Canes, and there were there were tourists taking pictures at some of the bus stops and wow. things that they, they use for this country, so that's very funny. Um, and then, of course, there are references to Swindon in the office. Yes. Um, as kind of the butt of a few jokes, David Brent jokes, which um, I heard they dropped an atomic bomb on Swindon and it did about £15 worth of damage. <laughs> and that's, uh, yes. that is, I guess, so yeah, there's a reference to it. I don't know. We got we did better with films, to be honest. We were in, um, oh, what Bond film are we in? You're the in Bond is, film? Yeah, The World Is Not Enough. There's a really? shot of an, um, it used to be a big T-Mobile factory <laughs> and it's in it for like five seconds. And every time it comes on, we, we put our hands in the air for uh, the five seconds of a Swindon location in The World. Brosnan was down there. It was brilliant. My dad, because my dad used to work for the paper, so he used to cover all kinds ah, of stuff like that. That makes sense. So yeah, yeah. S- Swindon doesn't appear in the legendary David Brent speech he does about those environments, does he? When he says, um, "There's Reading, Aldershot, Bracknell, Didcot, Yateley, Winnersh," <laughs> but he doesn't mention Swindon. <laughs> yeah, so close. So close. So close. That's incredible. You never watched The Office, have you? Uh, I I have watched some of The Office, but as you know, it, it triggers my friend Shyman, and I can't I can't get on with it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Can't watch that. Uh, I mean, obviously, my answer would have to be Bonjour La Classe, which the classic Nigel Planer sitcom, which was filmed at my school in which I star. Boys, uh, <laughs> yeah, that iconic show, uh, Touching Evil, shot in my road when I was a wee child. I remember Robson Green and a load of police cars were there, so that was quite exciting. What else have I got? Uh, ooh, oh, okay. Do you remember? Do you remember May to December? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So May to December was set in Pinner. Mm. Uh, in fact, Paul Mendelssohn, who wrote it, was my friend's dad. So, uh, so wow. that's and he wrote So Haunt Me as well. So, uh, so I guess that counts. Um, what else is there? Well, a bunch of stuff. Obviously, I lived in Harrow. My first job was working. Well, not my first job. One of my first jobs was working in Debenhams in Harrow, and uh, and so Harrow School. I think Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone actually shot there. Uh, the Crown apparently has shot Harrow School. So some of that, some of that season, seasons uh, one and two of The Crown. Um, And Howard's End also shot in Harrow School at one point. So, you know, that's good. If you look up on the IMDb, you can look up uh, Pinner in terms of shooting locations. Comes up with a lot of things, including Blinded by the Light from 2019, the movie. But what it also comes up with, uh, other than School for Scoundrels and Mike Bassett, England manager, is (laughs) a 2016 TV movie called Nigel Farage Gets His Life Back, which is apparently... And I quote, a fly-on-the-wall mockumentary yeah. following the day-to-day reality of being Nigel Farage. Oh, yeah, I watched that. Who plays him? <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to look like... it up. I'm looking it up. Here someone we go. quite famous. It's played by Kevin Bishop. Kevin Bishop. Kevin Bishop. Kevin Bishop. Yes. It's got Tony Way in it. Yeah, it was quite funny. I remember it. Was it? Yeah. Doesn't um, Pinner, doesn't Elton John come from Pinner? Does he? I believe so. Okay, yeah. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to yeah, Google I'm it. I'm pretty sure. And I'm pretty sure they filmed, you know, the youth section of his film, um, Rocket Man. I'm pretty sure that was filmed in Pinner. Really? Yeah. Now, he definitely lived in Pinner. Uh, what road in Pinner? He lived in Frome Court, Pinner. Yeah. I don't know quite where Frome Court is, but I knew Pinner quite well, obviously, growing up there. The sinner from Pinner, Jane March, obviously came from Pinner. Uh, and she... Uh, yeah, born Pinner, Middlesex. Yeah, there you go. 1947. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that. You, you talk about burying the lead. You think I, I? I didn't know it. I didn't know the lead, no. so I couldn't bury him because okay. I, I didn't. I mean, didn't, you, didn't really, know that. Come, you really should know that if Elton John's from your little hometown bit. Barry of, Cryer lived a few roads over from me. I mean, that's good. Barry yeah. Cryer's a legend. Yeah. Oh, and Hazel the Witch from Rent a Ghost. She was from Pinner, and apparently wow. held. And I don't know if this is true or whether this is just something I dreamed or made up. But in my brain, I have the information that Hazel the Witch from Rent a Ghost held a Guinness World Record for either touch typing speed or shorthand. I can't remember which. Now, as I say. I, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot confirm that this is true, or may, maybe Timothy Claypole actually was the one who held the record. It can be said, but apparently Hazel the Witch. Do you remember that Rent a Ghost? Yes, of Mrs. Course. Popoff. Yes, all that. Dobbin the horse. Yeah, way before your time, <laughs> Beth. Weird uh, <laughs> combination of. Have you not? No. No. All right. Rent a Ghost. No. Hazel, God, you're so young. You are young. <laughs> you I'm are really very young. Not, baby. You are oh, right. How, right. Are IMDb Rent a Ghost. I'm looking this up. Rent-A-Ghost, here we go. From 1976 to 1984. So Hazel the Witch was... Molly Weir. Molly Weir record typing. <laughs> Look at this Googling. this instant. Molly Weir. Oh, here we are, here we are. Here we are. Uh, Molly, British shorthand typing champion. I don't think you can type shorthand. I don't, I don't know what... So I can't... I got 100% say this is true, but they were saying Molly Weir uh, was a British shorthand typing champion. Maybe it was shorthand and typing. It's hard to say. Maybe it was, James. <laughs> Is Maybe this your way of saying was. I should move on Can from we this? Hey, clearly the excitement for Hazel the Witch is limited to just me and you, Boyd. Yeah, I do. Now you've reminded me that now, now I feel guilty that I didn't look up actual shows set in Ilford or filmed in. Ilford. So you should. But I have remembered brilliantly that the one I will mention is Simon Amstel's sitcom Grandma's House. Did you ever see that? Did you ever no, see? I like him a lot. Yeah, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It was actually a really good show and it was very closely based on his life growing up in the environs of Ilford, um, particularly Clayhall, which is, which is a, a, a small bit of Ilford. Um, and me and him, I discussed this with him once that we have, that we have very similar upbringing. He lived came, came very similar place because he's a Jewish, young Jewish guy. Yeah. Um, and Grandma's House was a brilliant kind of, a lot of Jewish jokes about the, you know, the Jewish mothers, and but not in a stereotype, cliched way. And it was just a joy to see a show that reflected his youth growing up in the same place that I grew up in. There you go. So oh, Grandma's okay. House, yeah. Catch it. Look it up. I think it's on Amazon Prime or somewhere like that. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Do you mean Prime Video? Prime Video, even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always be on brand, boy. Right. I think that is a question, Henry. Apologies for your good name being run through the mud by Boyd earlier, but thank you very much for the question. If anyone else would like to ask a question for Boyd to poo-poo, uh, feel free to yeah. send it to us at Pilot TV Pod on Instagram or Twitter. I'm going to say preferably Twitter because it's easier for me to access. Uh, but uh, either way, Sophie, I'm sure, will send it to me. Okay, excellent. Shall we go on to this week's news? I'm, ho I'm assuming there is news since Boyd announced there was none before we came in. Have you found any since the show started, um, Boyd? A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, there's This is this is um, Rowan Atkinson news. Yes. Netflix, you know he's done this show for Netflix called Man vs. B? I do know that, yes. I'm quite fascinated by it because... Um, uh, he plays a new character in this writer's comedy, um, and it's basically all about his character grappling with an actual bee, as the title would suggest. Yeah. And it's not just a one-off, it's a series. Oh, it's a series, yeah. yeah. Short, I think they're 10-minute episodes, like they're quite short. They? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 10 to 20 minute, it says, actually. 9, 10 to 20 minute okay. episodes. But it's quite a thing to build a whole, to build a whole show about that, <laughs> what one might imagine to be a slim premise you, yeah yeah um but nevertheless he's done it and um the the uh, there's going to be like a cast including julian ryan tut greg McHugh of uh, your oh, yes your playing friend. playing the b or uh, i don't think so um tom basden 
of um, Afterlife, etc. fame. Um, so yeah, that is happening, and it's going to land on the 24th of June, and I wonder whether we'll end up reviewing it, or whether James will ban us from reviewing it, because it's a comedy. Yeah, <laughs> a mainstream comedy. Well, I mean, Beth's like, it, we had her at 10 minutes, so, you know. That, yeah, that's true. 10 yeah. to 20. No, yeah. yeah, 10 to 20, that's very true. See, I, I cannot sanction this buffoonery. Like, I love, love, love Rowan Atkinson in Blackadder, but yeah. Mr. Uh, Bean can fuck right <laughs> off. Yeah, It's just like, that is not humour for me. It's just stupid. But Mr. Like Bean's it. probably the thing that globally has turned him into an absolute superstar. Yeah. One of the most, one of the, yeah, Megastar, one and, of the most. And that is everything that's wrong with the world. Wow. Well. Was it like it was one of the most successful yeah. British films like yeah. ever, wasn't yeah. it? The, the, yeah. Uh, but there's only, like in terms of the series, there's only like, what, two seasons? There aren't there that many episodes. No, there aren't many. Being, no, you're right. Yeah. Um, Thankfully. <laughs> steady. Uh, but they were a phenomenon, absolute phenomenon. Yeah. I guess because it's so um, accessible for all. I believe the word you're looking for is broad. Yes. Well, children, but no, I, I wasn't. Um, it's like, because it's. The, the the genius of slapstick is that it's, yeah it can appeal to all, all kinds of people yeah and there is a there is an absolute skill to slapstick by the way I'm sure there is and you know anyway Ooh. Chris Hewitt once did a short film called Mr Sausage that was based on Mr Bean and it was Chris at Babington House going around doing Mr Bean type antics it was for uh, I think we did it for some kind of random yeah yeah we did it we did it for I, I want to say it was one of these done in 60 seconds things that we used to I can't even remember what it was for but it was for some kind of film well, like thing an officially sanctioned an officially sanctioned Empire thing Mr Sausage what uh, actual... I don't know if this exists on YouTube it may I mean, not it I'm may have gonna... been scrubbed from existence but hell. I don't think it's very well, to be honest with you, but uh, it's yeah, if that you can is, find it, that is unbelievable. If no one else can help, um, my I've got another bit of news, which is that um, this was all part of the prime video thing that I didn't mention last week, I think, which was that um, they're uh, they've got a new comedy series written and directed by Jez Butterworth, yeah, the famous playwright, um, and also wrote um, recent Bond films like Spectre. He's a brilliant writer, Ferryman, Jerusalem, Jerusalem legendary play one of the great plays of the last of, the, of recent times anyway his show mammals is going to be on prime video later in the year and it stars james corden and it is one of those um he won't really say much about what the premise of the show is but also sally hawkins is in it <laughs> yeah it sounds really interesting um henry Lloyd hughes but it's mysterious he's keeping it very mysterious as to what the fuck this show is about all he will say is You'll like this if you enjoy it. James, Sally, and my work. It's a relationship drama, but also a whodunit. Mm. Um, and yeah, and that will be arriving uh, soon. But I'm very excited about that. And maybe part of the reason why James, this is the last series, last series of James's, James Corden's American Adventure, and it's just doing this kind of thing that I think he wants to have more time doing. Big, big um, drama projects and, you know, I'm sure do more Gavin Stacey. And, and did you see, he did a brilliant, Tom Cruise flew him around um, in, a, in a jet on uh, the Late Late Show this week. Really? Fantastic. Yeah, it's absolutely Cockpit amazing. karaoke. That's Cockpit good. karaoke, exactly. <laughs> and the whole, and James absolutely visibly shitting himself about, you know, and, and Cruise goes upside down with it in the plane, you know, and loop the, all of, the, it's just an amazing um, bit of footage, yeah. Oh, Fantastic. Man. That sounds wild. Mm. Uh, were you excited about the Daredevil news, Boyd? Mildly, yeah, mildly. So Daredevil will yeah. return in new Disney Plus series, uh, which is now because I mean, I, it's, it's, I'm not quite sure. Because Daredevil is technically, I, I come, I'm unsure at the moment whether those Daredevil shows are properly canon, partially canon, entirely canon. The character is canon, and the actor Charlie Cox is canon. You know that because we saw him in yeah, one of the recent in, films, Spider-Man yeah. No Way Home. Is that still a spoiler? Like you're not even saying what the film? I mean, it, yeah, it's not a spoiler. It's Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, so there's going to be more Daredevil coming to Disney Plus, and that's good because he was very good. He in was that really role, good. and it's a great character. Right, so. that's what I was going to say. He was really really good. Mm. So that was one of the best, wasn't it? Of those ill-fated, I think we can call them. Well, the um, first and third seasons were good. The second one was less good. I think. 
I only watched the first season. But the fine. first season is very good. The ones where you've got Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, those are the best ones. Yes, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so fascinating. They were very, very good. Um, so that's that's an interesting development. Pleased about that. Uh, what else has happened in news? This, so did you see the slightly odd Squid Game thing? So oh, the, I'm into this. What? I'm really into this, this. This is like feels to me like I was like, is it first of April? I'm very confused because it was just like so. The creator of Squid Game, Kwang Dong Kyuk, uh, is apparently in early stages developing a satire about the creation yeah. of Squid Game. Yeah, I'm really into this. I'm totally into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah fantastic. I mean, what does that even look like? Well. To me, it feels like, you know, the kind of thing they would have done in the missing seasons of the OA, <laughs> yeah, dare yeah, I say. Yeah, quite possibly. You know. Um, the working title for this is The Best Show on the Planet. Yeah, it's a brilliant idea. It's a fantastic I think it's, idea. I think it's great. And I think yeah. I'm so excited to see him do something like yeah. that. You know the BAFTAs? I've got that, um, I do know the BAFTAs, yeah. Right, the yeah. BAFTA TV Awards, yeah. they had people dressed as the, yes. the in the masks. What, doing security? In, in, just just there as the representatives of the show. Yeah, yeah, there was, yeah. As far as I'm aware, there was no unmasked actor or whatever representing. They just had the mask fully costumed up. And they just kept the mask they, on the whole time. And they kept the mask the whole time, yeah. including, I'm sure they were there with the dinner you know <laughs> i don't know what they did but they were milling around they're on the red carpet they were milling around in the actual thing they were sat down in during the award ceremony that's amazing if they'd have won they would have gone up to collect the award i don't know what would have happened yeah so maybe that's going to be part of this whole um brilliant idea that they'll show you know what happens at, when you when you get nominated for a bafta and you send the people the characters in the masks from the show <laughs> that is incredible yeah I'm, I'm pretty into that i actually saw one thing i did see in can to go back to can as you know i've been to can yeah uh it, the <laughs> the lead actor from squid game made his directorial debut oh. and it was really good it was very um he stars in it as well stupidly because i'm so tired of completely forgotten his name um but yeah directorial debut they've chucked a lot of money at it it's it's uh What's it about? It is about the... Um, oh, should not start this conversation. <laughs> should not start this conversation. Maybe James could do a whoosh. It's, called, like... Hunt, it's called Hunt. Okay. And oh, why am I even IMDb in shows called Hunt? <laughs> oh, Beth Webb. Yeah. Right. Come, you made for Roger, I'm, Roger I'm back here. Oh, I've, done, I've, done, I've done something horrible. Right, yes. <laughs> Lee Jung-jae, uh, who is the star, mm. who he, he must be coming back from the second season, surely. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So his, his directorial debut is called Hunt. And it is about, it's set in the 1980s, and it's mm -hmm. about national security planning and kind of inter-relations inter between North and South Korea. But it starts off with this big, bloody set piece, like high action. It's very good. Oh, wow. It's very good, yeah. Interesting. You can cut that if you want. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely I'm not. I'm so tired. Um, here's the thing, which has made me very, very tired. Uh, there is a live-action Speed Racer series coming from JJ oh, Abrams. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And I was like... Is there like yeah. is the world crying out for a live action speed racer series? No, I, I so I haven't seen the the Wachowskis film, but I understand <laughs> it does hold actually does hold quite a special place in some people's hearts. This is yeah. Ben, Ben, right? It's just Ben, <laughs> Ben's heart. It holds a special place no, in Ben's is, heart. There is a whole cult of speed racer. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I think that's true. Yeah. I remember going to the screening of that film. I think it was on a Sunday morning in 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 London, London's swanky London, and um, I remember feeling so bewildered by the whole experience of watching <laughs> it that I couldn't work out whether it was terrible or brilliant or whatever. Yeah. And I remember bumping into someone, a friend who thought it was the greatest thing ever known to man, and it would be the a gigantic hit. It was a massive flop, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Um, but I was just bewildered by the whole thing. But I think there is a cult of people who absolutely love it. Yeah, and we'll stand because it is an ex- absolutely unique, yeah, kind of eyeball-shattering, you know, visual feast of madness, isn't yeah. it? Um, so yeah, it's, but it's weird. Yeah, I don't know of any, but maybe the, you know, there's a, there's a cult clamouring for more in any shape or form they can find it. Maybe there is. Maybe there is. We're getting two more seasons of Hardstopper, though. That's exciting. Oh, yeah, that's good. I still, I still haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, my God. I, sh- I mean, I should, I mean, you should know, especially you after You have to the... buy You know, just have to. Yeah, just The law. <laughs> the telly law. Because, of course, yeah. one of the stars is going to be in The Doctor Who. Exactly. The Doctor Who. <laughs> the Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. going to be in The Doctor yeah. Who. Twisted Metal is a video game. And not only is it getting a series, but Thomas Hayden Church was announced to be in it this week, as was Nev Campbell. So this is going to be on Peacock, and it is a game which is one of the very, very few games I've never played. But it's cars crashing into things and people dying, I think. I believe that's the plot, roughly speaking. I couldn't tell you much more than that. Okay. Okay. So there you go. It's set in the divided states of America, which is, kids, satire. Um, okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, what else? Uh, there was a Baymax trailer for the the Big Hero Six spinoff series, which is going to be on Disney Plus, but I haven't seen it, so I cannot comment on it. That said, Baymax rules, oh. so I am here for it regardless. Uh, and there was actually a trailer for the Winchester, which is the prequel to Supernatural, which I feel obliged to mention since we've got Dean Winchester himself on this week's show, but I haven't watched that either. So I'm sure it was okay. 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 All right. Brilliant. Excellent. Is there any other news? Or are we done? I think we're done. We're done? We're done. We feel done. Okay, that was news. That was news. Let's move on then to this week's reviews. And first up this week, we have The Midwitch Cuckoos. And this is Sky's adaptation of the John Wyndham novel of the same name, where a strange phenomenon causes the residents of a small town to black out, and when they awake, all the women are pregnant with alien babies. Boyd, 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 were you... (laughs) cuckoo for this I don't know did you oh, like it <laughs> oh. um, I was looking forward to it a lot because I'm a huge fan of Children of the Damned the mm. Village of the Damned even Village of, what did I say <laughs> Children oh, of the Damned was, no, there was a sequel called Children of the Damned was there yes, I think so oh well you, you sure. outsplained me I mean that is part of my general thank you by the way to the listener who said pointed out that I keep forgetting names of everything <laughs> and James keeps having it, which is completely true and I've done more of it on the show and yes I may well be going to see now but thanks for pointing it out um, the yeah I think there is a sequel Children of the Damned Village of the Damned right 1960. Yes. There was a terrible remake, wasn't there? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. It's not what, that terrible. It's pretty terrible. It's okay. It's pretty terrible. Um, John Carpenter, or John Carpenter yeah. in the 80s or whatever. But the original, the 1960 film version of this novel that came out, I think came out in the late 50s anyway. So mm. it wasn't long after it came out that they made the British film version, mm. which was, I remember watching that film when I was quite young. I think I probably wasn't, you know, just barely in my teens uh, watching it on TV and being absolutely terrified by the whole thing of these little kiddies with their glowing eyes being terrorising adults and kind of taking over this village. And so my, I have absolutely indelible memories of that really burnt into my retina and I'll never, and I just, it's, it's one of those memories of a film you watch that will, I'll never forget. And so mm. I kind of, I watched it, probably the last time I watched it was about five or six years ago and it still stands up. It's a pretty, fan, incredibly creepy, atmospheric film, piece of filmmaking mm. with some quite ambitious, there's like split screens in it and stuff. Yeah. It's quite a bold, is the big word, bold, mm. ambitious thing. Um, I also read the novel years and years and years ago. Don't remember that much about it. So I was kind of up for this this absolutely modernised um, version yeah. with Kitty Horse taking place in, in, the, in the present day. The interesting thing about it is, for me, is that that 
absolutely captivating idea of the creep of creepy little kids yeah. with weird eyes yeah. kind of taking over something taking basically you know what is their plot what is their plan how what, what what's what's the plan that they're hatching and the way they control their parents and the whole the essential weirdness of that whole concept you have to wait quite a long time in this series mm. for that to start happening so i've watched the first it's actually the third episode in which really the kids, because the story has to be established all along the way of how what you have getting to that point. So yep. first of all, you're just introduced to this quite posh village of Midwich, which is kind of like a commuter belt kind of town, um, the kind of place where James would live. It feels like Surrey, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's very Surrey. <laughs> and all of these kind of spoiled, privileged people living their lovely, spoiled, privileged, nice middle-class lives, most of them. Yeah. And what, there's this event whereby electricity pylons go out and electricity is lost and all of the uh, women um, of a certain age, of childbearing age, collapse. Mm. Well, everyone collapses. Everyone, don't they? Does, everyone right. collapses. Everyone Even the horse collapses. You're right. Sorry, everyone collapses. But then it turns out eventually that all of the women of childbearing age fall pregnant. And this is takes place over the first two episodes. This whole kind of quite there's quite a long build up yep. to the fact that in the end, once you get to the once they've grown up, and then there's a time jump. And this isn't, but this just is the way that they structure the series. There's then a time jump in the beginning of episode three by a number of years mm. to the point where they've Which grown is up enough is necessary yeah. to be the fucking creepy little kids. It's like a creepy newborn. It's not that <laughs> right. creepy. But we have a flash forward at the very beginning, isn't it? So we right. have a creepy prologue which shows you yes. what will what is to come. Which is in, yeah. exactly so that. Have to, because I think everyone's like, oh, the trailers features the creepy kids, the artwork. I'm showing yeah. you up. The, 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 you can't see listeners, but you know the creepy kids are there. So, because that is the big selling point of the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So there is that flash forward, but then it settles down. Now I have to say that I think they've done a really good job of making the um, premise of of establishing the premise and introducing this to these characters. Particularly, Keely, I mean, Keely Hawes is just one of the legends, acting legends of our time. Yeah. Incredible in It's a Sin. You know, brilliant in Bodyguard. I mean, incredible in line. Line of Duty. I've used the word incredible twice in the same sentence, but unbelievably good in Line of Duty, where she's like almost unrecognizable, somehow turned herself into that quasi-psychopathic character. Um, and she's brilliant in this, and very in this, she's very much a kind of decent, smart woman who is a child psychologist, which is very key to the whole thing because no one can understand what the fuck is going to happen to these kids when they're born and after they're born. So she's this kind of voice of reason. Yeah. And she kind of has a very calming um, kind of personality. And I think she just absolutely, absolutely believe 100% that that is her job. She is a, she knows these how kids work. She knows how parenting works. She's got all kinds of advice and she manages to persuade a lot of the parents mm. when they're dealing with these fucking creepy kids when they finally come along. Um, um, of how they how to deal with the whole situation. I really like. Um, I really liked how they kind of. It's made so that there's there's in, in episode two there's a sequence where everyone's brought together. All of the pregnant women are brought together who who are kind of. Of course, they will just think, "Oh, I'm pregnant." I mean, yeah. some of them there's a miraculous element to how they're pregnant yeah. without going into it. But they were brought together by government representatives and the main policeman in the town, played by Max Beasley, who's trying to kind of keep everyone calm and keep everyone keep order while this weirdness takes place. And I thought that was a really clever scene because you totally believed in the kind of government guy. Mm. He, he reminded me of the people, you know, they wheeled out during the epidemic huh. who kind of were completely, you know, nerdy, geeky, untrained for communications and TV, but just had to deliver the weird news that you didn't want to hear. And this guy, this um, delivers the news to these people that something very, very strange is happening in this place and you're all pregnant and it's really weird and 
you're going to give birth and, and and we know what we don't know what the fuck's going on so i think it's really well done i think it's really well done and they may, and and even though i was waiting for the creepy kids to arrive it's fine because what what takes place in the first few episodes anyway is gripping enough yeah. to keep you um fascinated by the whole thing now beth <laughs> yeah how many, you watched the first episode right first episode yeah so i too have only watched the first episode yeah. oh, so yeah. no it's fine no no it's fine we knew what was coming yeah. it's not like this is a new story it's fine <laughs> no. now I don't know if you felt this, Beth, but I felt I felt the budget straining at <laughs> the seams <laughs> in this to the point where it felt comedically cheap uh, and a little bit like, oh dear. I feel like if you can't afford CGI, just don't use it. Like, just use a bit of lighting, you know, do something. But there's a bit where like alien lightning strikes the ground and it's done so badly. And I just thought, oh God, like, I mean, we are, we are in, we are in sort of like early noughties Doctor Who territory here. And I was just like, this, 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 this should not be, this should not be. And there's another bit earlier where there's a bit where something happens with a helicopter and again it just felt a little bit like you're at film school and you're using little anyway let's just say it it didn't help things and i think some of the performances were maybe a little bit mixed as well but anyway look this is not about me i I was asking a question about like what did you what did i mean did you did you what did you think did you did you feel this or am i just way off base no, I I uh, don't like to agree with you, but <laughs> sometimes I do. I and it is just because I really I think the cast in this are incredible, and I think the premise is fascinating. I think we're seeing kind of a big surge of a, a show I'm really looking forward to is that's coming out on. Is it? I think it's Sky as well. The baby. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. creepy babies. Yeah. Creepy babies, creepy yeah. babies, creepy births. Just a big vibe at the moment. I'm mm. um, seeing like a lot of it. There's clearly like a big appetite for that, and so I was interested by this. I am slightly off put by the setting, which is just ah uh, the whiff of Brexit in the Magnolia yeah. Tower, down to the to the. Union Jack Bunting um, is kind of fascinating and I'm this sure this is probably very, the wrong very week to try and avoid that unfortunately <laughs> but <laughs> um Yes, I'm. I'm a big fan of anything that um, that Keely Hawes is in, and she seems to be. They're putting a lot of the spotlight on her to kind of carry a lot of this story. But yeah, as someone, and and I guess I have just seen the first episode, yes. so it is very yes. hard for me to cast like big judgment on this. But I would have liked to have seen more quicker with this, given how fascinating the premise is. And I'm sure they are they are stringing out like that Union Jack bunting for as long as they can. But, you know, I just I, I wanted to get to where we're getting to slightly quicker, especially it had a really interesting open, you know, set in the present day before mm. it ricochets back to. Because as we know, you just can't have something that exists in the same timeline for us. No. It just doesn't exist anymore. It just doesn't no. exist. No. Um, so, yes, I, I just would have liked to have seen this got to what it was trying to see quicker. And I felt I, I just I didn't I didn't quite sympathize with anybody. And I, mm. I am one of those people that does occasionally, yes, like James. Oh God. Oh, <laughs> need it, need it, I need an in. And and I just found it very hard to engage with the characters. So I think that that was the show writing a little bit. I just I'm not saying it's anything to do with the performance, but perhaps I just needed because it's one of those big ensemble ones again, like your foundation, like the one that we it was another major I can't even remember what it's called it was like a. it was renewed for a second season I feel like it was on Apple maybe it was a, do you know what I can't I can't even yeah, guess which one but, are you talking about? But a sci-fi it was thing. a sci-fi one that was kind of all around an, a, a big apocalyptic event and everyone was kind of kicked into survivor mode 
I'm just so many of them. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like, even I can't know that now. That's that's yeah. kind of where we are. At it's not this C. Stage. We didn't watch C with we you, didn't, didn't it? Watch no, because no. that's a masterpiece. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yes, I just I feel in this in this very saturated kind of space of storytelling at the moment, where it has such an interesting angle to it. It is. It needed more to kind of put it ahead of the rest quicker, and and it just it didn't quite do that for me. And I kind of yeah, I agree with you on the production value as well, but purely because the standards are so high yeah. now, and I yeah. know that they don't have Apple money, I know they don't have Netflix money, I don't know they don't have the money for big streamers. They're still Sky. They could still. I don't know. They could have been more creative and done something with it. Yeah, it just it is not enough to propel me forward with it. Sadly, but I, I, I but I'm with you on that. I think that oh. the, the production values across the board are so high now that if you don't have the budget, I think operate within the boundaries of what you have the budget yeah. for. As you say, they could have done something very creative and completely avoided having to do just shove a pillow up there, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, there are different there are ways of doing this, and I just think like the the helicopter sequence I'm referring to was completely extraneous to the plot. So I feel like just don't do it. Just yeah. cut the scene and save yourself some money and use it for something else because it felt like that. I mean. Again, Again, just the first episode. It's possible it goes into Game of Thrones territory in episode two. I've no mm. dragons everywhere. I've no idea. But certainly from that first one, it felt slightly embarrassingly cheap. And I, I also didn't feel like Max Beasley was firing on all cylinders. I felt like quite a one note performance from right. him because his character goes through quite a lot in that first episode and yet his emotional response is quite monotone and it could be that that's a deliberate choice that he's shut down and he's kind of in shock maybe there's more to that I, like I say I've only seen the first episode can't really comment but I felt a little bit unconvinced by his character development in this first episode although Keely Hawes was very good as you would expect she goes on a date which had me actively yelling at the screen <laughs> as this guy tried to explain parenting to her and I was like oh my god what are you doing what are you doing this is the worst day ever um but yes I you know and and then there is the fact that it's an hour long and it moves deliberately glacially. so I'm gonna say glacial. It, it, glacial yeah it doesn't wow. it doesn't move quickly and I, and again I I think Maybe it plays slightly differently to someone who hasn't read the original or seen Village of the Damned. But if you don't know what's happening, maybe that pacing works quite well. But then equally, you've got the prologues. You kind of know what's coming. And I feel like teasing people what's coming and then taking three episodes to get mm. there mm. is, again, maybe not a great choice because you're just looking at your watch going, come on, I want to see the creepy kids. Where are the creepy kids? I don't see any creepy kids. Um, yeah, I agree with that. It's just it's lots of people falling over. And yeah. that's, that has limited <laughs> dramatic yeah. impact. It's a bold choice to... to wait that long for the creepy kids to arrive I have to say and I'm slightly misguided I think that I felt like they could have actually started with the creepy kids completely mm -hmm. not just you know in that prologue and then explained the stuff that come to that in episodes yeah. three and four or something yeah like have I mean, a flashback I? I'm not, yeah. I am not yeah. a TV dramatist by any stretch but it did feel like a slow and I, I'm pretty sure the film I mean it's obviously it's a two hour film or however long it is two hour maximum um, I mean, the film does exp have the similar explanation. It does explain. It does go through the, the clearly what's clearly but in the it's novel. Compressed. That at one point people mm. will fall over, then they will get. But it's compressed. In fact, actually, I was just looking at it now. The, the running time of the film is seventy-eight minutes. Oh, that's really tight. It's best really ideal film. film. So they must. So they must have. I must go back and watch it. They must have dealt with all of the 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 premise of how they the kids arrive at being those fucking kids in about ten minutes. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean, ideal. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But honestly, one I, I think it does really pick up once once the creepy kids arrive because the creepy kids are really creepy. I will take There's your word a for shot it. at the end of episode two, which is great. I think you'll probably think it's like 
ridiculous CGI, but I thought it was a really great shot of a of a creepy baby. I did notice the creepy kid had an aggressive fringe, which I remember the oh, kids got some... from the Carpenter one also have aggressive yes, fringes. Funnily enough, <laughs> scary haircuts, scary kiddie haircuts is a theme because yeah. they, quite a few of them have scary haircuts. And you think, how do they manage to convince their parents to give them scary, creepy haircuts? Well, how they have mind happen? control powers and they yeah. can do what they want. Yeah. Give me a bowl cut now. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, should you wish to see this show, the Midwich Cuckoos does air on Sky Max yes. on the slash something now. of something. Thursday, slash now. Thursday, the 22nd of June, 9pm. And by the way, my, my, my final comment is, isn't Village of the Damned a much better title than the Midwich Cuckoos? Yeah. I think they should have stuck with that. That sounds like Sunday afternoon telly. Right. But I think they've like. deliberately gone back to the source. Of course they, they have. You know, so they, yeah. it's a conscious but choice. just deal with the it? fact that Village of the Damned is a brilliant name for yeah. a thing. Yeah. Yeah, Even though I could call it Children of the Damned, which was indeed the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 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 that was Midwitch Cuckoos. Uh, Next up, we have Pistol. This is Danny Boyle's love letter to the punk movement of the mid-70s and the rise of iconic British band, the Sex Pistols. Now, if you've been keeping an eye on our feed and or Chris has edited this in time, you'll see there's a sponsored pistol special in which Beth, Chris and I talk about the show in quite some detail and it also has interviews with uh, with Maisie Williams and Thomas Brody Sangster. Uh, however, that one deliberately avoided any kind of critical appraisal, what with it being sponsored by Disney. So let's hear what we really think. <laughs> Never mind the bollocks, it's Beth Webb. Oh my god. Um... Well, I reviewed this for Empire and gave it four stars, so I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty able to say nice things about it. Really, cannot wait for your take, James, uh, James Dyer. <laughs> yes, I think this was a pretty energetic, propulsive, undeniably Danny Boyle show. Huh. Like, just I said this in our spoiler special. There is just beyond, a, like, there's no shadow of a doubt that this is a show from. <laughs> Danny Boyle, which in <laughs> itself I think is kind of worth celebrating. Like he's not really done much with the small screen before. He's doing a music biopic, which is really significant for him because he's, you know, very well known for his relationship with music. It, his films wouldn't be his films without the soundtracks. Um, so really exciting. Plus, he also um he grew up during that era as well, and it was very, very important, pivotal time for him. So it's really nice to see him just just like grabbing this with both hands and like just plunging it into his like stylistic pool. Um, I don't know what I'm bloody saying. But, um, <laughs> Please just, tell me more about his stylistic pool. <laughs> as in like, you know, he just it, he's all but like a kid just sitting down and he's got like a blueprint for what the show is and then he's just scribbling all over it with crayons and, you know, fucking up aspect ratios and there's different lenses and there's blurring music and the editing's all over the shop and it's really frenetic and unpredictable and like punk so Mm. you know to have that from the off you know i know sometimes his his directorial style could be divisive and you know it's been the same for 30 years when the shallow grave came out that was like early 90s Mm, yeah um so it has been pretty untouched and maybe to some people it needs modernizing in that way but i think considering what this show is about it's just really a really matrimonious kind of authorship and I almost feel bad for um, Craig Pierce who is actually the showrunner of the like I feel like so he's he's Baz Luhrmann's um, long-standing screenwriter I can't remember if he did Elvis or not yeah he did he co-wrote Elvis funny enough I was looking at that okay. there's three writers of Elvis but he's one of them he's one of them so he's been with Baz Luhrmann since 
Prince. Um, he co-wrote Strictly Ballroom, which I, I absolutely adore. So it's got that real, just like really theatrical creative forces coming at it from all angles. Um, and yeah, it pivots on the autobiography by Steve Jones. I say autobiography, he couldn't read or write for a very, very long time. So I think... It's at least partially ghostwritten. I may need to fact check that. Yeah, um, it is though. It was it was um not even secretly ghostwritten. Yeah, who wrote that along with with a writer? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Um so yeah, Steve Jones, um who who um yeah, came from this very, very troubled background and, you know, was there at the genesis of of the Sex Pistols and, you know, right through to the right through to the end there. Um and he's played by Toby Wallace in the show, who I only need from this this amazing um, film Baby Teeth that came out a few years ago um, opposite Eliza Scanlon. Um, he's this really wiry, kind of wily force of nature um, that gets to play with a lot of emotional depth. And then he's got this really kind of live wire performative quality to him as well. And then this big old gaggle of British talent, really, that's come from all over the place. You've got Maisie Williams probably is the most prolific i would say she's definitely the one i think people will know yeah. the most i mean given her entrance in episode two she's also <laughs> yes. the one that no one will forget yes. but yes yeah yeah so she's yeah exactly so she plays jordan who we obviously uh we very recently lost sadly who was like an activist and an artist and very provocative certainly during her youth um and then that legacy kind of stay with her and yeah she gets one one hell of an entrance in the second episode she really quite literally puts herself out there <laughs> uh, <laughs> as yeah this very provocative very uh, yeah like another live wire who's very you know bored with the society she's been born into and very eager to change that that's kind of the collective you know thread that's binding all these young people together because they all come from various different um backgrounds but are all united from this real like frustration to to kind of change things um yeah thomas brady sangster as you say was in this um as their kind of self-appointed manager um yeah, I was on board with this largely. The performances are great. Toby Wallace, I think, is the standout. Um, and something I said on the the spoiler special as well, I'm always really excited to see who is the standout from a Danny Boyle thing because, you know, Ewan McGregor, Killian Murphy, some great young performers, Dev Patel, um, kind of come up through his projects and go on to do wonderful things. So I really hope we get to see that with him. Um, my main issue I had with this was the handling of... Steve Jones' childhood. So we see via flashbacks, especially when he's performing and seeing the stage fright that he gets, it links back to when he's younger, he's in a broken home, his mum's there and she has a, a partner who is abusive to him. And I just found that you you find out a little bit more of that at the end of the first episode. And I don't think that is handled with the touch and nuance. It very much just falls into the same kind of chaotic kind of overview of, of that first episode and it feels it feels a little clumsily handled I think is what I'm trying to say that was my main issue with it but otherwise it's it's scrappy and it's fun and it, it just feels yeah very matrimonious if that's the word and and I'm, I'm generally very on board otherwise this is one of the most what can I say thorniest kind of TV things I've seen for a long time in okay. terms of it's really trying to do something um, difficult, I think. Like, I think all musical biopics, I've said this before, it's one of my least favourite genres of generally, of particularly of film, like The Doors, you can go and fuck off that film. 
I mean, I, you know, I, I'm I a big fan. you get crass. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Oliver Stone's good films, but that is such a clunky. <laughs> and that, if you want to know everything that sums up the clunkiness of the musical biopic, it's that film. It's yeah. you know, it's literally got scenes where they create the famous songs of the Doors, and it's so ridiculously unsubtle mm. and clunky. Clunky is the word I'm trying to avoid. So, and this show trying to dramatize one of the most influential important youth culture movements in history yeah. which i think it is is really hard and especially when you know you know these characters not only the members of the band but also malcolm mclaren and i think actually thomas brody sangster is it Tom, yeah. does a brilliant job i mm. have to say it's malcolm mclaren because that is a hard he had a very weird way of speaking like this kind of croaky kind of thing um john lydon you know who has obviously rejected the whole Series and yeah. didn't he no, sue them? He sued so he to sued, try and right. yeah. get an injunction against yeah. them using any of the yes. Sex Pistols music. Yes, and he, lost and he failed. He failed. Yeah. But he has been. I heard an interview with him last week. He's been on, on doing quite a few interviews, basically saying, you know, I'm not. I don't interested. I don't want to see myself dramatized. And I think, you know, he's from his point of view, the whole thing is based on Steve Jones's book, as you say. Yes. Um, yeah. That is that is the that's the um, core material they're using, and so that immediately makes him the cent. He is the center of this drama yeah. if there is one and there, and there kind of is more on him than anyone else you might say well I mean I, I, Steve Jones is, became a really interesting culture figure he had a brilliant radio show in America and he's a very funny and entertaining engaging character and he, undoubtedly his stories are incredible mm. of the period I mean the fact that he had a relationship with Chrissy Hind one of an uh, absolute legend of our time I could watch a whole series <laughs> on Chrissy fucking Hind of the Pretenders yeah. and in fact um She's very that that, that Sydney Chandler who plays her is Sydney very, very Chandler good. Play, yeah. playing her is brilliant as well. Mm. So this is a slightly rambling way of saying I was kind of dreading it in a way because <laughs> it's so hard to pull this kind of thing off yeah. without it being really basic and obvious. And and I totally agree with you about the child abuse um, storyline. Um, is very I felt very clunkily handled. Yeah. And that comes back. And funnily enough, the dramatization of the scene, the thing, the, the famous Bill Grundy scene where they're on that show yeah. and they start swearing at him and calling him a dirty man, it cuts back to the the stepfather. And yeah. that, again, so the clunkiness does not end, yeah. you know, at the end of episode one. There were some awful moments in this. There were some like really like unbelievably unsubtle moments. But you almost think, well, what the, they're saying is the showrunner and Danny Boyle, they're kind of going, well, obviously, punk, there's nothing subtle about punk <laughs> as a movement, right? And the, and the kind of the whole the whole thesis of this series is, and I totally agree with it, punk changed the world, particularly Britain, yeah. for unbelievably the better. Like, he talks about, he's talked about in interviews with Robert Danny Boyle, and he's, and he's so right that Britain was dull and grey and right-wing and racist and sexist and homophobic to a grotesque degree. And I, and I, you know, I was 10 when punk happened in 1977. My older brother was really into it. So I kind of, I was very much aware of the whole thing and how it changed people's lives. I think it changed my brother's life, you know, to a small extent changed my life because just the awareness of this really, I found it quite scary at the time, yeah. you know, the Sex Pistols. When you're that, when you're that, you, when you're only 10, it's like, oh my God, who are these weird, because you're brought up on Leo Sayer and episode three or four begins with a brilliant Leo Sayer bit that's hilarious. So it's got brilliantly funny bits and engaging bits. Mm. It's got some amazing performances and 
some other performances that I felt didn't work so well. And you're dealing with some of the most legendary, Vivian Westwood, still going now, yep. right? still an incredible force in fashion and style and pop culture. And she's a key element of this story, you know, running the shop with Malcolm McLaren, as she did, that brought a lot of these people together. Mm. So you've got these, these legendary figures being performed in varying degrees of accuracy. Um, you've got a messy, incredibly messy narrative, but it has to be, and it's justifiably so, because punk was fucking messy. You've got some, you've got some, uh, the fact that it's shot in 4-3, most of it, that, that aspect ratio, the square yeah. aspect ratio seems totally wrong-headed to me because, all right, obviously everything on TV back then was in the 4-3 aspect ratio because this is before we had widescreen as a thing, right? widescreen TVs, etc. But it's filmed in quite, a, a lot of it's filmed in very, very nicely, mm. you know. Mm. And I mainly noticed it when I, I, I cast it to my TV. So I watched some of it on, you know, on my laptop and then I watched another bit of it. And you as really Danny Boyle it, intended. Yes. Danny Boyle, I really noticed it when I got it actually airing on my big, huge television. Yeah. Oh, so yes, you really see that it's a... <laughs> the 75-inch television, it's, yes. most, it's a square box. In the middle. And I thought that was just a, a misguided choice because, you know, it's not a documentary, you know, it's no. not footage actually yeah. taken from 1977 yeah. or whatever. It's, it's, it's a quite sophisticatedly well-made, well-shot thing um, most of the time. So I had very conflicted mixed feelings about it. But in the end, it's never boring. I mean, it's not, you know, as opposed to other shows that talk about deliberate pacing. Oh, my God. It (laughs) rattles along, quite rightly. Um, It has some really interesting... I found all of the kind of side people at the kind of edges of the story, as I mentioned, Susie Sue, Jordan, who is, you know, we've talked about her arrival, that that captain, not the the later Jordan, the first Jordan, who made makes the big impression as we said so it's um, it's a mess I have to say (laughs) some of it is terrible some of it is good yeah I loved being reminded of the era and I think it does ram home how fucking important punk was as a movement and how important Sex Pistols, even though they did their one album, you know, and all of that, how absolutely important they were and they changed the world and I think you do get that message from the show pretty mm. much uh, uh, and certainly the more I watched of it, the more I got that message. So I'm really pleased it's there and I almost think there is no way of doing it that's not going to be yeah. quite flawed in a way. Yeah. It's almost, how do, you, how do you do that? How, what version of this story do you do that isn't a mess? So it's, it's, yes, it's, I would absolutely encourage people to watch it. And people who were there at the time, like, I can't wait for my brother to see it. I think it's going to be absolutely um, fascinated by the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I won't repeat everything that I said in the special, but I knew nothing about, you'll be unsurprised here. I knew absolutely nothing about any of this. Punk rockular music. Indeed, indeed. So, but I, I found, I found Steve Jones to be a very, very compelling character and singer from his point of view, I found fascinating. Also, he's a character but he's not caricatured mm. and so I enjoyed his perspective a lot more than I would have done had it been from John Lydon's perspective because I found Anson Boone's portrayal of him very mannered Like, and I, I'm sure maybe it's accurate I don't know enough about he Johnny is, Rotten to know Johnny but, Rotten is literally mannered he's a mannered human being so yeah. there's no way around that this is the man who sorry to interrupt but in the, he did I'm a celebrity get me out of here do you know the story no he did I'm a celebrity get me out of here he lasted one day huh. I believe and then went on a live discussion with Anton Deck on ITV at 9 o'clock to explain why he left and and said everything was full of fucking cunts. Live <laughs> on ITV. He is not to be tamed and he is just is mannered. Yeah. Carry on. Okay, fair enough. Well, I so I didn't enjoy when he was on it, but I really, I really enjoyed the flirtation uh between uh Steve Jones and Chrissy Hind. I enjoyed all of that stuff. I enjoyed it all centering around the shop, how it all kind of played out. And I had no idea where this was going. So I actually did really enjoy it. And I thought, you know, when Maisie Williams comes in in the second episode, like with that incredible entrance, which we have discussed, uh, you know, that's a hell of a statement and you you don't really know where this 
story. I mean, okay, if you know where the story is going, obviously you know where it's going. But what I'm saying is, you don't know what it's going to do next because it tends to be quite unpredictable and wild and a little bit iconoclastic, which is obviously what Boyle likes to do, and that's what this story requires. So I really enjoyed that. Although we did get in quite an interesting discussion on the special that we did about how actually the Sex Pistols are not unlike the Spice Girls because they are they too were we? artificially constructed no part of this to be a prepackaged object with a very specific objective in mind. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not unfair. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, this is how created. I mean, Malcolm McLaren was absolutely the impresario, the manipulative yeah. impresario. Of and there's a really interesting bit. I mean, I could go on about this show for days, by the way. Um, you should have got me on the spoiler special. Uh, but... <laughs> Um, there's a the bit the Bill Grundy the legend. Are you aware of the Bill Grundy appearance? By the way, I, you know I'm Chris, about? Chris referred to it. Obviously, yeah. I was yeah. utterly one of the most to it, one of the most yeah. historic t- live TV moments in history. Yeah, and um, where they start swearing at basically a show that went out at six o'clock on you yeah. know take TV. Yeah. And what's inter- really interesting about the dramatization of it is is that Malcolm McLaren's, Malcolm McLaren's furious with them about it, and he's like supposed to be you know this kind of rebellious revolutionary figure, but he actually is qu- he he's annoyed with them. He thinks they've fucked it up. He thinks they've fucked up their career, mm. and it's. And it's um, Johnny Rotten and Johnny Lydon who goes, "Oh, you're such a you know." When it comes down to it, you're not you haven't you haven't got the balls to be to do what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. And of course, it was actually the making of them, partly the making of them anyway, it turned them into an incredibly famous, even more famous proposition. So even those, more so than when Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine, punched Philip Schofield on live TV. I mean, pretty much similar, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely more indelible than that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there, so what was my why would I begin with that? But I'll mainly to, to show that um, you know there are interesting insights that you might not expect even from a show that yeah that, that's kind of a lot of people know where mm. the kind of in depth the, the absolute key cultural moments throughout okay well <laughs> pistol then is a six episode limited series that is of course until it gets picked up as an ongoing concern uh but that's oh on disney plus from the 31st of may what would that look like i'd like to see the modern adventures of um, <laughs> steve jones yeah who knows who knows Finally this week, we have a last-minute drop-in for Obi-Wan Kenobi that we watched when it dropped on Disney Plus this morning uh, with the first two episodes, and which we're now recording at lunchtime between sessions of an extremely tedious training session on our company's new asset management system, which is lovely. Please consider this a cry for help. Uh, fuck knows when Chris, Helen, and I will find the time to record the spoiler special, but hopefully the force will be with us, and that will be in your ears at some point in the not-too-distant future. Uh, and speaking of which, this Obi-Wan Kenobi series picks up after the events of Revenge of the Sith, but long before the original Star Star Wars and features our favourite crazy old man, Obi-Wan Kenobi and nascent Sith Lord, Darth Vader. Boyd, was this the Obi-Wan for you? You see what I did there? Well, <laughs> well, um, I have slightly mixed feelings. I've got a bit of a sore throat as well, more of a sore throat because I was celebrating uh, a friend's birthday last night. Apologies. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, on the one hand, it's very exciting to be back in this universe and, you know, with characters we know and in some cases love and um great to see you mcgregor i think he's great in the role and he seems to be having a good time i'm not i think it does remind me a lot of the prequels in the Mm. sense that you know you've got small child characters who can't act um (laughs) thrust into the center of this storyline and i think that is a bit unfortunate i have to say um and the whole storyline revolving around this annoying little girl who runs off every single time there's an important um piece of plot to uh develop or anytime the 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 storyline threatens to get a bit tedious she just runs off um I think that is a bit annoying. I'm not entirely on board with that whole central storyline, if you like, but I kind of enjoyed all the stuff at the edges of it. I really enjoyed um, Moses Ingram as the as the 
one of the Inquisitors, the rebellious Inquisitor who's being really horrible. Uh, Rupert Friend, I'm, re- I'm really enjoying as the Grand Inquisitor. And they're all the, the Inquisitors' kind of interactions and, um, you know, arguments with each other that I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying. Um, so, yeah, you know, and it's beautifully done and everything, but I'm slightly worried that I don't really care enough. And also, it's, it's hard to have real, um, you know, any kind of storytelling um, drama and tension when you know all of these characters are going to be all right at the end, isn't it? Yeah. I know it's a quite a basic thing to say, but for some reason, The Mandalorian, for example, didn't face that, didn't, didn't sit and always dealt with that so brilliantly um, by, by, you know, by making you care about other stuff. Whereas in this, I'm like... I, it's all going to be fine for everyone that I'm watching, really, essentially. So it's a bit weird to um, the, the the lack of drama and tension and suspense about all that. But having said, I'm being a, quite critical, but I am enjoying the general gist of just watching these this universe back and watching the and watching the 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 the, the, the cast members who can act having a good time. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would agree that the show so far, I've just watched the first episode, it's definitely at its weakest when it's focusing on Leia. For someone with such high risk and such a high value on her head, they sure let her run off into the woods on her own quite a lot. <laughs> um, but yes, that is, yeah, delving delving into the roots of her character, which is, you know, frustrating when Leia was one of the first robust kind of female characters that I ever saw on screen, let alone as part of a franchise, to then go back and have to kind of chart her origins feels quite detrimental, which is a shame. Um, I feel like they've buried the lead here, which is Flea, who is absolutely brilliant in this first episode as this like real wrong um uh so they've put him in this kind of burning man get up which is really fun and it looks like he's just having a really good time in this role which a lot of other people aren't a lot of other people in this show are taking their roles very 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 seriously um everyone looks like an east london butcher they've given him like the trendy apron and he's got like the trendy facial hair and he's hacking up like chunks of some anonymous fish um is like how he's making a living and then going home to his little um eop is that what it's called the snoot horse yes the snoot horse fun fact i've got a video on my phone from watching it this morning of risky my cat who really goes for like uh livestock and stuff on tv she always gets really amused by it she just goes for this like horse so she runs up to our screen and she like smacks it with her paw so that was really funny for me um but yeah i like that this is going to be it feels like it's a bit more of a, a movie chopped up whereas i mean it's not better or worse than mando which is you know mission per episode or monster per episode and then it's got this bigger arc kind of running over the top of it this feels like it's more chopped up into consecutive chapters but I just wish they'd gone down a different route than Leia and rescuing Leia, um, which is where we're up to here. But it's only the first episode. That might become a subplot. I don't know. But that is essentially what is, you know, getting Obi-Wan back on the lightsaber. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's it's even more in the second episode, isn't it? The the center of the 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 centering of Leia and the and the um the uh, chase to get her back is 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 not going away anytime soon. But yeah, would oh, you always come in and like <laughs> just just remind me if 
<laughs> the stuff, the reasons why I should be watching things. But yes, Sorry. that is Sorry. disappointing. <laughs> mm, I like I like the serialized nature of it. I've seen the first two of these, and uh, uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. I think I'm enjoying it slightly more than I thought I would. I worried a little bit. I think it bridges the prequels to original trilogy vibe quite nicely, in that you still have the feel of the prequels to an extent, but it feels like it's leaning more into the used universe feel, the slightly less pristine feel of the original films. Um, and I think weirdly, I, I'm enjoying his performance. I think he's his performance as Kenobi improved as the prequels went on and I think here he kind of feels more naturalistic in that role and I enjoyed him sort of bantering with Uncle Owen and you know I enjoyed being back in that world I mean there's still moments of it where it feels a little bit not sort of egregiously fan service as something like Rogue One is where they're just dropping in references left right and centre um, but you know th there are bits where I feel like I'm watching the dramatisation of like well I am watching the dramatisation of an expanded universe novel like ultimately it's what this feels like it feels like it's one of these books that I could have picked up in Forbidden Planet and someone's turned it into a TV series and to a certain extent that's kind of fine and that's I guess what I wanted from this so on the one hand I'm enjoying that it is playing in this specific area that's so familiar to me and taps into things that I directly already care about in the way that the Mandalorian made me care about new things which was lovely this is this is 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 dealing with things I already care about but the stakes are high because they could fuck it up really easily and upset me so it could very much go either way but so far based on these first two episodes uh while I wouldn't necessarily say this is a triumph I'd say actually it's good like this is definitely something that I think Star Wars fans should watch uh I don't think there's an awful lot here if you're not a Star Wars fan there is a kind of previously on the prequel movies thing at the beginning of this yeah, that was funny. which yeah. is funny which gives you the whole sort of Darth Vader uh Obi-Wan history which is nice um, and I suspect, you know, when we get to see Darth Vader later on, I think that, to a certain extent, I feel this series might live or die with that because Darth Vader is such an iconic character. And I feel like if you do well by him, then happy days. If you fuck that up, then this whole series is going to die on its ass. So I guess we'll wait and see. But yeah, good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. I am. It's not maybe any more excited for Andor, but uh, I am interested to see where this goes. So uh, it hasn't really come to life for me. I, I think it will when, I mean, at the end of episode two, clearly um, Darth Vader's going to arrive yeah. in episode three. Um, so I, th I think that's, the, I agree with you. I think that's the key for me. Well, I think once Darth Vader arrives, it, it will pick up excitement mm -hmm. level, the excitement level for me personally. And, and Indira Varma was saying in one issue that she doesn't arrive until episode three. So she, I think it's clearly going to be involved with Darth Vader in some way. Um, and they will enliven it. I think. I, I just feel. I just think. I just think it's a mistake to focus so much on Princess Leia when I, I really. I, I, and I'm being. I know. I'm labouring the point slightly. But that first scene when we see her up in that tree, chatting away to her little droidy thing, it was so awful. I wanted to. I wanted to. It, you know, it's not great. Stage That's Vivian Lyra Blair uh, who's playing Leia in this ten-year-old I mean, Blair. Need to name her. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to build a whole story around a ten-year-old child, you really need to find someone who can pull that off. And I, I'm, mm. I'm being I, I, anyway. She yeah. seems a lot I, younger I, than ten, right? But yes, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think, and then there are, there are chronology problems there. Leia's not supposed to really very clearly remember her mother, and like she's fucking ten. Like, come on. Uh, I, I don't know. Look, th th this is nitpicking stuff, which is probably more worthy of the spoiler special podcast. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean. She's a little irritating, and that's not ideal for a ca such a beloved character. But uh, I don't know. Like this, this could have gone a lot worse. So I think you know that you oh, know yeah, they, they haven't set the building yeah. on fire yet. So no, I think that's I a agree. good thing. We should also mention that in, in terms of 
of other things that dropped. A lot did happen yesterday at Star Wars Celebration. We got the first trailer for Andor, which looks like a, it's going to be a 12-hour extended cut of Rogue One, but with all the interesting characters removed. But it might still be okay. Um, and we're getting more seasons of that as well. 12 episodes as well. That's very long for one of these. There was a, tr- a teaser for the new Willow series, if anyone was interested in seeing more from the Willow story. Um, Skeleton Crew was announced, which is a Star Wars TV series which is going to have Jude Law in it. And The Mandalorian Season 3 uh, got a February 2023 date, and the Ahsoka Tano show is coming in 2023 as well. So uh, quite a few things developing over there. Our Ben Travis is on the ground getting all the news for us, which is exciting. But if you want to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi, you will find it on Disney Plus now. What's our pick of the week, people? Oh, I'll go for Pistol. Um... Yeah, I think I'll go for Pistol as well. Yeah. Mine would be Obi-Wan Kenobi, but that should be semi-predictable. Uh, right. Also out this week, we have, what do we have, Boyd? We've got, well, obviously we've got oh. The Boys, not The Boyds. Yes. Uh, we've <laughs> got The Boys on the 3rd of June, which is a season three, which drops on Prime Video. We've got the second season of P-Valley. Yes. That drops on Stars Play, also on the 3rd. Uh, what else there do we have? There is Physical, that um, ah, yes, season yes, indeed. two on Apple TV Plus um, on Friday. Um, with uh, Murray Bartlett. Yep, and Rose Byrne, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's Borgen, the new Borgen series. On yes, Netflix season on four Thursday. of Borgen. Yes, which is like, I think it's practically like 10 years since the last yeah. season of Borgen. Danish West Wing. Danish West Wing. It's a, it was a brilliant show. Um, and that is, I'm very excited to see that, actually. Um, that uh, that drops on Thursday on Netflix, which is quite an unusual day for it to drop, but that might be something to do with the fact that, I don't know, who it's made for originally. The Orville, New Horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, is on Disney Plus on Thursday as well. That's the Seth MacFarlane. You've ever seen the Seth Hard MacFarlane? Hard Pass. It's it's basically a piss take of Star Trek, isn't yes. it? Yes. Hence, hence, hence the Hard Pass. You can't take Not the no. Seth MacFarlane. But Absolutely Farlan, well, it's a, a bit of both, to be honest. I really, really do detest Seth MacFarlane. So I Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. You saying? I think. I, I have very little patience. Okay. His introduction to the Oscars, that I saw uh, your boob song, was yeah. the nadir of, of everything that's ever happened to the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I include the recent slap. Yeah, I kind of so. agree with that. I agree with you there. But that, I mean, it does have its fans, the Orville. Anyway, it is back on Thursday, <laughs> the 2nd of June, on Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> the new series of Midsummer Murders, uh, 25 years. By the way, Midsummer Murders. Have, hang on. Definitely. I was about to say, haven't you mentioned this three weeks running? But no, that was called The Midwife last week, wasn't it? <laughs> um, it was something else. Which has been running for like half a quarter of a century. The midwife, it was wasn't it called The Midwife? What did we talk about? What was what was the last remember. last week's thing? You were going on about something yeah. that's been going for 25 years. I can't remember what it was. That's true. Yeah, I can't remember. Maybe, well, maybe I'm repeating myself. Maybe I'm going to see not. Silent Witness. Silent Witness. That was yes, it. you're right. That has been both 25 years. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's a new series of Floor is Lava. On Netflix, you aware of this? Oh, someone tweeted about this, yeah. and they were—it's the show where people have to avoid fake lava on the floor and um, run around on a. <laughs> in I mean, obstacles. it's a game thing. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, it's not to even mention it. I yeah. played that it's game when I was four. I'm like, not sure. It's a bit like your—is it cake? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's another one. Of Modern those shows. masterpiece. Is it cake? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Also out this week is. Uh, Dinosaur Planet. Prehistoric Planet, that's it called. It's Prehistoric Planet. You know, the Apple uh, walking yes. with dinosaurs type, David Attenborough narrated. So think Planet Earth, but just with Jurassic Park dinosaurs in it. Have you seen any of it? I have seen some of it, yeah. And we, yeah, apologies. If, yeah, we didn't really cover it. It's a, it's a tough one because it is kind of like walking with dinosaurs, you know, for the for this, for 2022. 
Do you remember yeah. that series, which is like the BBC's attempt to do a yeah, but without this kind of budget, <laughs> right? The budget and the VFX are absolutely stunning. There's also a one-off BBC thing, which also, which I think Attenborough narrated as well about dinosaurs a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. I think there's a lot of this stuff about. But from what I've seen, I've only seen bits of it, but it does look absolutely spectacular. Yeah, yeah, I watched a chunk of it. I thought it was absolutely enthralling. It's just basically if Jurassic Park were a documentary because the dinosaurs yes. look real. All of it looks real. Right. And just say we're well, Attenborough, and now we switch to the desert and the I know whatever he's banging on about the Dilophosaurus is doing and, and, and it looks like a fucking real dinosaur I mean it's pretty cool so I would say yeah for fans of planet earth and or dinosaurs and or Jurassic Park that's well worth a watch okay good right fine oh and sorry one more oh. thing I just remembered the Outlaws series 2 um, Steve Merchant's really rather good uh, yeah. comedy thriller with yeah. Christopher Walken with Christopher Walken mm. season 2 starts on Sunday next Sunday whatever the thing that date that is um, and I've seen the first few episodes and it's really really good mm. even no. better than series 1 I didn't enjoy season 1 I know one. you didn't yeah did we review it we did yeah, yeah. we did um, I really like it I think it's a really good show and fucking Walken straining his stuff absolutely brilliant <laughs> so yeah I'm, that's I'm, the Padishah Emperor Shaddam the 4th do you Oh my God. If you say so, okay. yeah. Um, that is back next Sunday, 9 o'clock BBC One. <laughs> right. Well, that's it for this week's show. Uh, please do keep those five-star reviews coming. If you listen to the show and love the show or even barely tolerate the show, then please do leave <laughs> us a review in lieu of actual payment, as it is a huge help. Uh, and while you're in the giving mood, chuck us a follow across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pilot TV Pod. partly as we have all manner of recommendations on there for you, but more pointedly, as it will help our social media editor, Sophie, hit her half-year KPIs. Uh, you can find the three of us at James C. Dyer, at Beth K. Webb, and at Boyd Hilton. We don't have KPIs as such, but our social media followings are closely linked to our sense of self-worth, so that helps too um next week on the show there's a big old jubilee thing that's sucking away half the week but do not fear there will still be a podcast uh, i'm just not entirely sure when we're going to record it let alone edit it uh still still i'm sure we'll figure that out uh but what's more what is more we are going to have the man the myth the legend that is murray bartlett on the show to talk about the aforementioned physical season two uh but let's be honest the reason we had him on was exclusively to talk about his standout <laughs> role in a show that should need no introduction, I refer, of course, to Farscape. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. Bookmark that one. Uh, we'll also be able to talk about The Boys by this time next week, as well as David Simon's reunion with Baltimore for the first time since The Wire in We Own This City, uh, and the TV adaptation of Dolly Alderson's Everything I Know About Love. So exciting stuff for you there. Be sure to come back for that. Uh, in the meantime, have a great three-day week. See you on the flip side. Pilot out. <laughs>